What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We are going to get into introductions here in just a minute, but this is episode 50 of the Playmakers Corner. So we kind of got a special episode on deck for y'all. We got the entire PMC fam up in this building for tonight. This is the first time we've ever done this. Uh, Consider it a roundtable kind of talk. We're going to talk about Colorado football, a culture problem is what we've labeled it. And is what a lot of people have labeled it, both inside and outside the state. We've all have our own experiences here in Colorado and with football. And so uh, to kind of start this out here, we're going to go all around here, starting with um, one of our main co-hosts here, Cody Stafford. And we're going to talk about, you know, your experiences. Obviously, you're going to introduce yourself, but you're going to talk about your experiences with football and all that. And we'll kind of keep it quick here because, you know, this will be kind of a longer episode. And so we're going to talk about plenty of experiences here. But we're just going to talk about experiences with football uh, and Colorado as well. So, Cody, if you want to kick it off, go ahead, bud. Yeah, I'm going to take it back to my northern Colorado days and treat this a bit like an icebreaker. But my name is Cody Stoffer. I am one of the co-hosts here at Playmakers Corner. I graduated in the year 2020 from the University of Northern Colorado with a bachelor's in sports administration. And I also minored in sports coaching. So obviously a lot of sports, both on the executive kind of office level and, you know, on the coaching more down to earth level. But as far as football goes, I played football from sixth grade all the way into high school. You know, I played for Arapahoe High School and in middle school, I played for the Panthers Youth Football League or in the Arapaho Youth Football League and, you know, got was talking about doing potentially like preferred walk ons and at like CSU Pueblo and whatnot. But currently I most recently coached at Greeley West High School. I was the offensive coordinator for the freshman football team and I was an assistant wide receivers coach for the varsity team. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. And then on top of that, obviously the over a hundred and 50, I want to say, film breakdowns between Simon Villanos and myself up until this point. I'm going to go ahead and pass it right back to Simon, a.k.a. Coach V, to tell us about his experience in football. Yeah, so um, I, I'm your other co-host uh, slash, uh, I guess, speaker for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. Uh, I also graduated from the University of Northern Colorado, class of 2020. Shout out to all the 2020 grads out there. Uh, I grew up in Texas, actually. I grew up just north of Dallas in Plano, Texas. Go Wildcats, go Panthers, Alden boys, uh, Whedon boys, by the way. I played middle school football over there as well before moving to Colorado Springs, playing for Doherty and Liberty at points throughout my career there. Uh, Obviously, you know, I am one of the creators of this podcast and have done a lot of different breakdowns with Cody, uh, whether it comes to, you know, boy football players, black football players, whatever, you know, we've looked at a lot of football players this last, I don't, it's not, it hasn't even been a year. I would say these last eight or so months. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd say I know a little bit about football here. And uh, I definitely have, I guess, you could say the best of both worlds, both, uh, you know, good football, co- experiencing good football cultures and bad football cultures in my opinion and so i definitely have some strong opinions here as kind of the outsider of this group uh i think i'm the only one that was born outside of colorado in this group or raised outside of colorado could be wrong but 
uh, there you go. So that's me. We'll talk more about my experiences here in a little bit, though. I'm going to go ahead and pass this thing off to uh, Liam Hughes, actually. Hey, I'm Liam Hughes. Um, I've been a co-host on a couple of a couple of the older episodes, but uh, I still hang around and looking to kind of get into a few more episodes here we, as we develop further into the future. Um, I graduated from Silver Creek High School in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, I grew up in Longmont my whole life, so Longmont football is pretty comfortable for me, I would say. I went to UNC with the other guys, and although I didn't graduate from there, I I had to stop going because of COVID. Um, I've got some kind of small experiences with football. I didn't didn't play myself, but I did attempt to try out, and then I was told that if I didn't cut my hair, that I wouldn't be allowed to try out. So I decided not to try out, and I did theater instead. So uh, I guess I'm the I'm the I'm the odd man out as far as playing experience, but uh, I do have some some experiences with football culture in Colorado. Yeah, Liam's no slouch. He he knows football. We talk strategy all the time, and you know he's been an avid fan for many years, mostly at the professional level. So. You know, definitely knows his stuff. And um, following that up, I think we're going to pass it over to Mason Austin, a.k.a. my cuz. So tell us about football in your life, Mason, and a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm Mason Austin. Um, I graduated high school in 2019 from Arapahoe. Uh, I ended up playing basically from middle school on through high school. I played a variation of different linemen positions. Um, I've done some film breakdowns with guys. Uh, I have a pretty well-versed background when it comes to, like, linemen and different aspects of the game. Yeah, and I guess that brings us to to our last member, you know, who's a very familiar co-host here at PMC. And even going back to the cycle days, uh, also want to put some respect on Mason's name uh, for doing some middle school coaching as well. But here we got uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Coach Booten, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm Jesse Booten. I uh, have you know been been with Cody and Simon since the beginning, went back when it was uh, the cycle three six five. Um, ever since we you know made the move to Playmakers Corner, haven't been doing as much, but that's because uh, I've been doing some other things. Um, but a quick overview, real quick, of what I, um, you know my football experience. I started in fifth grade, so I played in elementary school. I played tackle football. Um, played all the way up through middle school, and then uh, I went to Ralston Valley High School, which is in uh, Arvada, Colorado. Um, played there for four years, uh, and then actually got a scholarship to play football uh, at the collegiate level, uh, Hastings, Nebraska. I played some uh, receiver there, and then transferred over to UNC, where I met went, met these guys, and then uh, I actually did try out for the uh, UNC football team here. Um, we'll talk about more of those more of that experience as we get in there but I did try out for the football team here so division one football collegiate level and then uh, I'm now currently coaching the collegiate level as well I am the running back coach at uh, Trinity International in Chicago so a little bit of my background and uh, where I am at right now yeah huge shout out to uh, coach Booten who just recently got that promotion to running backs coach so I want to give him uh, a round of applause there well well Thanks. deserved and definitely earned yeah. But yeah, that's that does it for everybody, and I'm gonna let uh, Coach V kind of guide us through some of the things that we'll be talking about, and then we're gonna jump right into everything that's wrong about Colorado football, basically. So you know, if you have a, a lot of relationships with with members of Colorado football, 
don't be surprised if you hear their name today because we're trying to call we're, we're not just calling out but we're trying to call everyone up in the state of colorado because we are not a football state and there's plenty of reasons for that but this is in hopes of making it better for you know the culture and obviously for the athletes first yeah for sure and you know what i'm just gonna go ahead and put this disclaimer out there look it ain't nothing personal everything we okay i can't speak for everyone here everything i'm about to say i would definitely say to everyone's face that we're gonna call out here or you know mention on this podcast because that's that's just who i am i ain't gonna bs you or nothing like that we're gonna be straight shooters because you know what in my opinion texas we are the football state if not one of the football states colorado could be a football state if it wanted to but let's go ahead and talk about that so we got a whole ton of topics here you know, this is going to be, like I said, it's going to be like a longer podcast. So, you know, go ahead and buckle down if you're on a, a long ride or a road trip or whatever. I know it is the summer whenever we will be releasing this thing. And, you know, just listen because we're just going to talk about stories and a whole bunch of topics just to kind of run down the list here. Uh, generally, um, topic wise. So we got we're going to talk about coaches, complacency in Colorado football, comparisons to other states. We have a couple uh, obviously, we have a bunch of athletes that we've talked to either through DMs or interviews or what have you uh, from out of state. And so we have those comparisons along with, um, I guess, myself and Jesse's experiences as well. We have national exposure. We have national exposure. And then lastly, we're going to talk about some financial stuff, the big bucks, the money. But you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about coaches. So... I don't know how I want to approach this, but you know what? Let's just go ahead and jump into it. So in my opinion, you know, there's a lot of different things that make up a good coach, right? Uh, we could go over all the cliches and whatnot, and that's cool. You know, it, I personally had some pretty solid coaches, in my opinion, back in Texas. They were all guys that played college ball. I'll just tell you that right now. Um, before I moved to Colorado, in my honest opinion, I did not think it was possible to coach on the high school level, uh, and especially not the college level, if you did not at least play three to four years of college football. That's just how it is. On, on the middle school level, from the head coaches to the assistants, whoever, they're all college coaches. There are guys who at least went to the D2 level. You don't really hear about anyone who went D3. And so that's kind of my perspective as, I guess, as an athlete coming to Colorado. Obviously, when I came to Colorado, I figured out like, dang, you'd be lucky if you found a guy that played on the college level. And so with that being said, I'm going to kind of open it up, open up the floor here and allow you all to comment on that or talk about your uh, own experiences here when it comes to coaching specifically. You know, I'd say that I had two head coaches in my time. One being my middle school coach, Drew Milburn. Huge shout out to him. He was everything that you could possibly love and like about a football coach. You know, he he knew his football first off. Also, one of the better recruiters as far as middle school programs go, because we went from one and seven to seven and one the next year. And that wasn't all development. A lot of it was development. He did make all of us better football players, but he also knew you know, how to, how to get good football players too, and offer them the chance to be great. So, you know, he was massive to my development as well as those assistant coaches, you know, 
uh, Coach Mitch, Coach John, and Coach Roddy. You know, those are all my dudes. I still talk to them to this day and catch up with them every time that I get a chance, especially when I go back in town. And, you know, they helped me, A, become a better athlete and prepared me for that high school level. As far as, you know, like getting me realistically set up for like positions that I was more likely to play as well as, you know, making me a better person and make sure that my priorities was right. And like what football was all about, because like football for me, based off of like that coaching staff was about the grind, like, and, and just enjoying all the work that you put in and, you know, working out, working anybody else. And that, that went from the football field to, to outside the field too. get into high school. I'd say a lot more politics is involved for, for a variety of reasons. And I'm sure that some of these guys can attest to that for sure. I'll say um, one of my experiences is kind of just the exact opposite. And, and you know, I started, like I said, I started in elementary school, fifth grade, and then I just stuck with the same team. You could say, quote unquote, little league, right? We played in the, uh, we played in middle school as well. But um, I would say our coaching staff was completely different than yours, Cody. And the fact that it was just two dads, players on the team that didn't really, I mean, sure they knew what they were doing, but we kind of just called one play every time. We just had superior athletes on our team um, compared to the rest of the league. So we could just call the same play over and over and outrun them and, and out physicality them and all of them, everything like that. So I would say it's a completely different story for uh, my experience growing up in uh, elementary and then middle school football. And the fact that I just had two dads that wanted to spend their weekends coaching us, you know, quote unquote, coaching us playing games i mean we won a lot of games we won a lot of games i'll, I'll say that <laughs> we, we made it to two championships uh throughout my four years or five years there so two whole championships and then we made the playoffs every year so we were good but i would say it just came more less of coaching more of just we had they got to you know pick their team and pick they picked the best athletes so that's kind of the experience there but then into high school yeah i'd agree it's definitely more politics stuff but i think you're gonna get that at all high schools these days so not just Colorado. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with the, I'm just going to butt in here real quick here. Uh, but yeah, I definitely agree with the politics stuff. I think, especially in Texas, and to be a high school head football coach, you got to be, you got to be at least a little, shoot, what's the word? Um, you got to be fluent in politics when it comes to these things, because you got certain boosters and whatnot who are important to the program because they're basically your uniforms for the next, whatever, whether, you know, four or five decades, you know, uh, they're basically your links to your sponsors too. Like back in Texas, I remember, you know, it was kind of a big deal. Our coaches there, shout out to coach McCullough. He got fired actually a couple of years ago, but he had a very big, big connection with Nike. And so we was always decked out in Nike and that was our standard there. And so um, politics, in my opinion, is always going to be a thing, but it's it's a little bit different in Colorado. But uh, Mason or Liam, do you have anything else to add on uh, just as far as coaching in your own, uh, I don't want to say personal life, but like uh, while you were a player? Uh, for me personally, I played for three different teams. Um, I played for the Patriots and then we switched over to the Thunder. Um, and I played for three separate coaches, two Thunder coaches and one Patriots coach. Um, I'd say, and that's middle school-wise, when I played for the Patriots, they had that real dog mentality and that wind and grind, like every play was a fight. And then when we got to the Thunder, it was like 
every play was throwing the ball down the field playing a lineman you take two separate like mentalities there and it wasn't until like in the middle school and I played on my like last Thunder team where I played for coach Chuck and uh Sid and I want to say Sedilia I can't remember his last name but he basically they switched the whole system into trying to get us ready for high school and I think like that helped me, but I don't think it helped as many players as it really should have. Liam, do you have anything else to add on? I know you mentioned about that one coach that would not let you play because over here. I wanna, I wanna see what you. I just wanna hear what you have to say about that. Expand on that. Uh, I actually have a lot of respect for that coach, Coach Abadaka, um, who now teaches at Cheyenne, Central Cheyenne, um, and um, you know, it was it was an experience that when he told me like. You're gonna have to cut your hair. It was, gonna, it was an experience that like kind of colored my my perspective of, of the Silver Creek team, which had just won state championship the year before. So I was like, I was kind of re rearing to go. You know, I was I was feeling it. I was like excited because we just won state championship. I wanted to be part of the team, um, but uh, he, he honestly he may have been joking, and it just might have like colored just like the way he said it. Just might have like really ruined it for me regardless of the fact that he was joking but um i do still have a lot of respect for coach apodaca he's still he is like i said teaching at central cheyenne or cheyenne central and, but he taught at silver creek for like 15 years um and he didn't get fired he decided to leave obviously when when silver creek went from 3a to 4a after we won the state championship uh he couldn't find a way to make it work i think we like we won two games as a 4a team while i was there um so maybe i'm happy that we didn't get on that that i didn't uh, get a chance to play on that team uh but it is what it is i don't know it was it was definitely a bit of a uh rude thing to say to somebody though in my opinion or maybe not rude but like insensitive thing to say to somebody who is who seemed really excited about it about it you know what i mean sure yeah i don't know what do you want to know well here, here's the thing i i want to ask you was he more of an old school type of coaches because i've heard of old school coaches who are very military like they want all their players to look the same yeah he was he was pretty is what he I'm was, gonna say. i think he was pretty old school i mean his his kids were on the his kids were on the team and it was a little bit uh a little bit political not too bad or anything but uh yeah he was very not in the pe classes that he that he taught he's actually one of the laziest pe teachers i've ever experienced not that that's necessarily a bad thing but uh <laughs> there's definitely a stereotype there of the lazy pe teacher uh who is also the coach but he was also the uh he was also the the baseball coach at the same time head coach for baseball and head coach for football so like he spent a lot of um PE classes looking at film of both baseball and high, and football teams. So I don't blame him for being lazy when he had that much on his plate. But yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned Pretty military. That yeah. Uh, so that's interesting that you mentioned that because I'm, for, the, for the listeners out there, I am a PE, or I was a PE teacher. Um, and I take it very seriously seriously in my opinion i want to be a good teacher i'm not a roll out the ball type i'm going to actually help you get better uh, right. for athletes and everyone you know and i'm gonna go ahead and start dropping school names here because i know 
I know a good number of schools here in South in Colorado Springs, especially a couple of state champions as well. Uh, you could guess uh, for yourself there. They're not there anymore because of personal reasons. Uh, but I know that there are there are PE teachers that also serve as football coaches. That's you know that's you know no surprise there. But you could tell, at least in my opinion, the quality of their teaching reflects how good of a coach they are. And where their priorities are. Because I get it. You know, you have a lot on your plate. But, you know, so do I. But yeah. I still find a way. And so do other PE teachers as well. And I think that's a stereotype, at least here at UNC, that we're always mm -hmm. trying to fight. I remember. Yeah. Or this is kind of a side note here. But I remember every class, pretty much every class for almost three years, they would always preach to us like, hey, there's already a stereotype out there for you when it comes to PE teachers. You got to do better. Because um, if you can't do better, then, you know, your kids are going to end up being a bunch of bums. You know, can only play kickball and basketball their whole life, and they don't know how to do anything else, and that's why. And so, like I said, in my opinion, I feel like the quality of teacher they are reflects how good of a coach they are. And you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about the bad things about coaches here in Colorado. You know, enough of this reactionary stuff, because here's the deal. Colorado, okay, no. Here's the deal. Football and sports in general, I feel like, you know, you could put the blame on players and whatnot, like, oh, the athletes are just not good enough and whatnot. Well, you know what? You could guess why they're not good enough, and it's because of the coaches, because kids are just kids. In my opinion, players and just athletes from Colorado in general are just as good as athletes from Texas, just not as refined, and that's on the coaches. And I'll, I'll stand on that any type of day, just because – you know, look, you could look at the elevation, you could look at the science. Literally, people born in Colorado, they have more red blood cells. That's why they have better stamina and all that. So don't give me that whole, oh, they're not good enough athletes type of deal. Also, you have a bunch of mountains and hiking. And, you know, there's a wide variety of sports and physical activity that they could pick from that is not only diverse, but also very entertaining and fun as well, which makes staying in shape pretty much easy, easier than it would be for someone who lives in like the middle of nowhere in Texas or Kansas. But you still find players who are about that life and who are, I would say, more talented in those places than Colorado. And so before I go too deep into it, I want to give y'all the chance to talk about, uh, for each of y'all, I want each of y'all to give, um, you know, a couple reasons here or there why you think maybe the coaching isn't up to snuff here in Colorado and you know, what exactly is wrong with the coaching here in Colorado? Because don't get it twisted. There is something wrong with the coaching here in Colorado. So I'll, I'll let it go uh, there and uh, let y'all discuss that for a minute here. And then I'll jump in at the end. Yeah, sure. So, okay. There's a few reasons why. Okay. I First off, I just want to echo what Simon said. There's plenty of good players here in Colorado. Simon and I have broken down over 100 players here in Colorado, not just in the class of 21, who didn't get offers that they deserved, but you know, also like sophomores that are coming up and even some freshmen where it's like, you know, are they going to get the opportunity they deserve because of the position that they're in? Because really, especially on like the 5A level where the spotlight's the biggest, there's only a couple of programs in Colorado like th that are legit. There, there's not like, like there's plenty of schools that can be good, but they're just not. And there's one of the reasons I think for that is like, like Liam even mentioned it a little bit with, you know, the, the, his former coach chose to leave. He didn't get fired. Coaches really don't get fired here in Colorado. Yeah. Like 
I know some coaches who like that they've straight up posted like four three win seasons in a row, and they still have they'll have a job year five. That, that's whack. Like, I I don't know. I mean, I guess UNC does it too, where they just have a coach that wins like under fifty percent of their games and they keep them forever. But like, that's not a winning culture or a winning attitude, you know, that starts with the coaches and the athletic directors. And I could go into a whole tangent about like qualifications on coaching that Simon kind of brought up as far as like former players go, or like, you know, do these guys know how to coach kids or are they just like a lot of the position coaches I'll say, actually, at least in my experience and talking to other high school athletes are just coaches inside the building, not even necessarily like college football athletes, but they are just coaches who played football at some point. So like, ugh, I don't know about that. I, I'd really much rather have a staff. Like you can't tell me that there's nobody here in the state of Colorado who lives here who didn't play college football. Like I met plenty of former football players that aren't coaching. And I think that there's a problem with that where we need to have an incentive for those guys to get involved and not have these schmoes, you know, uh, doing whatever. I don't know. I'll add to the, the, you know, which said schmoes. I think a lot of coaches um, in Colorado, yes, but also being in the coaching world now and seeing what what goes on, uh, even just in the whole United States, a lot of coaches, especially at the, you know, where we're talking about high school, middle school level right now. Obviously, when you get into college coaching, college coaching is a little different. But at those lower levels, I feel like a lot of coaches are just football fans. They just want to be a part of football. They're not. You know, they don't know what it means to be a football coach. They're just like, oh, I like football. My kids fo like football. Let's try and coach football. Um, and, and I can say that at high school and at uh, the middle school letter. And then, um, you know, even even breaking into college football, like you talked about, Cody, with the UNC, stuff like that. I feel like, yeah, people people in Colorado just don't know what it means to be a football coach. The time commitment is what you have to do in order to do that. It's not just, oh, I'm a football fan. I'm going to coach football. So. Exactly. And I mean, even you like, like you mentioned for your middle school team, I mean, granted, it sounds like you had one of the better outcomes because y'all won a lot of games. You know, it was just two dads coaching football. That doesn't always end up how your team ended up where you just have a bunch of dogs. Like I feel like a lot of parents, you know, end up coaching and they're just like you said, they're either football fans or they're just parents. And you know, like, what do they know about football sometimes? And it, and it's less than even middle schoolers sometimes. I've seen a lot of instances where that happens. So, yeah, schmoes all over the place. Lots of unqualified people in charge of football programs, especially here in Colorado, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, so I kind of want to pose this question now here because I know we did make a note of it. I'm, I'm looking at the doc right here. But, you know, as far as coaches go, position coaches – you know, in Colorado, you know, obviously, I, I would say they always ask the teachers inside the school whether they want to coach first. And I know this because I was a teacher here in Colorado, and it's because they don't pay them anything. And so anything money-wise helps, you know. So really, you got a bunch of people, and, you know, they could be motivated by different reasons, but I think it's very realistic that all over the state you have a lot of teachers that are coaching and, you know, maybe they do care about the kids. That's always a great thing and whatnot. Uh, but their expertise is not football. 
right? They might, like you said, Cody, they played it at one point and you know, they're doing it for the money. And so I want to ask you, what is worse? Teachers who don't have a lot of football experience coaching football or parents of players coaching football teams? I'll leave that up to y'all. Uh, Mason or Liam, if you want to answer that, go for it. I know it's been a minute what? since y'all uh, answered. Parents, bro. Parents yeah. are the explain, worst. Explain, explain. Great parents are the worst. I mean, the, polit the <laughs> politics of like how many times I've talked to somebody who goes, I was better than the guy who started, but his dad was the coach. You know what I mean? Or like, or his parent was the coach or anything, whether it's baseball, football, soccer, literally any sport, the amount of times I've talked to somebody and they've said that is just crazy in Colorado. And if like I, I just have to assume that it's not that way in Texas and that it's not that way in other football states like Chicago or California or something, you know. I'd like to put out. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mason. I was just gonna say Chicago is not a state, but go ahead, Mason. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to just put it out there that, like, when parents are coaches, they create soft football teams, and they don't bring that dog mentality. Um, my best coach I've ever had, he played college ball and he, uh, he blew out his knee like three weeks before the draft and he was one of the top prospects, uh, for, he played for the Oklahoma Sooners, um, at lineman and he brought the dog mentality. He just did not stop. If you were being soft, he'd kick you off. He'd tell you to get off his field. And if you had a problem with it, he's like, go cry to your parents. You're not crying to me, but a parent isn't going to tell you they're not crying to my parents, you know, like. They're not going to say that to anybody. They're too soft. So creating that soft mentality is not what we need in Colorado football. Okay. Fair boomer enough. Sooner. Cody, I'll, I'll let you answer this question and forgive that Boomer Sooner here. Because uh, I actually do have a story about, uh, you know, family ties and whatnot when it does come to Go ahead. What's worse, parents or uh, teachers? <laughs> That's I mean, a good version of it. More, more often than not, I'd say parents... But I will say that coaches, okay, parents, you know, like if their kid is on the team, you know what their intentions kind of are, right? As far as like, they're gonna try and get their kid as many opportunities as they can. So like, it's it's one dimensional versus coaches, like, you know, there's some that can be influenced by other parents who wanna get their kid on the field fiscally. Um, uh, I've definitely heard of that happening here in Colorado, and it's a shame. It's a shame is what it is, more than anything. And it's disgraceful to the sport. Can I call out a coach real quick? Uh, yes, yes. Coach Campbell uh, at Arapahoe High School. Well, he's not there anymore. I think he's at Inglewood High School. Um, I've seen him do it time and time again to multiple different players that were very talented. And I watched a kid walk off our team and go play at Valor. And he is now playing at CU Boulder. So uh, he was running back and he left us to go play at Valor because he didn't get an opportunity because one of the booster sons was on our team. So. Yeah, no, for sure. And those are very real stories. Uh, oh, shout out to Doherty. Cause I'm going to be mentioning them a lot right here. Um, but I definitely remember I had, I, I had a homie, he played running back for Doherty. He started since he was a freshman and whatnot. But there was at a point 
going into his senior year where he was getting, you know, those looks from a couple D1 schools like the CUs, Wyoming's, like, you know, those basic Colorado <laughs> regional type of schools, right? And it was one of those deals where going into his senior year, he needed to have a big, not even a big year, he just had to have an improved season for him to seal the deal, get that scholarship. Unfortunately, coming up was the, was the head coach's godson, and he is trash. He is not a good football player. He fumbles the ball too much. Also, he's weak and slow. And so, and I know this because I coached his teammate who is way better than him. And, you know, that's one of my boys uh, for sure. And so that boy ended up, so right, so right when my guy, right when my guy like tweaked his ankle, like, you know, it was probably a grade one ankle sprain, nothing too serious, maybe a week or two, right? They started giving snaps to to the godson, to the freshman who came up and, you know, he was, you know, averaging like two yards a carry or something whack like that. And as the year went on, they slowly just started weaning those carries away from my guy. And so basically, you know, he just didn't get any carries anymore in the last four or five games. So that did cost him some scholarships. And then unfortunately, a lot of other things happened that, um, that, that hurt him from even getting a chance of getting out of Colorado Springs and, you know, playing football elsewhere on the next level. And I always remember that because everyone on that team, except apparently for the head coach and the running back himself, knew that that was the stupidest call you could make because also they had a losing season as well and wasted a three-star offensive tackle talent that ended up going to ASU. So there you go. And so that's... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that kind of, that kind of, I guess summarizes the kind of coaching here in Colorado. It's competent, it, not competent. It's incompetent to a degree because you do have a lot of inexperienced coaches here and whatnot. And you know, while we are talking about coaches, let's talk about position coaches. Uh, specifically, let's talk about position coaches that don't coach at schools. And you know, we're talking about Six Zero Academy. Uh, what is that other one? Uh, Jenkins Elite. How come I can't? Those are the only two that come up to mind right now. And look, don't get it twisted. They do a lot of good things. Shout out to our boy Braden Dorman, Justice Lalu. I know I'm just calling out Vista Rich players, but they have done a lot for them. And I've seen that up front. You know, they were kind of raw prospects. And, you know, for for them, you know, it worked out. They went to those private trainers and coaches and they got better, right? Um, but my question is, and y'all are free to answer this, how come they are not head coaches? even though they are the so-called experts here in Colorado, right, when it comes to football at one of these many fine schools. Because really, when you think about Colorado football, at least in my opinion, you think about Valor and Cherry Creek, and that's it. In Texas, you think about a million schools. Even in Alabama, you think about a million schools. Same with Florida and California. And for a, in my opinion, for a state to truly become a football state, you got to have more than one big dog in the house. If you only got two big dogs and a bunch of pups, that ain't nothing. It really isn't because it's really just the two big dogs, big dogs fighting it out. And then maybe your, uh, you know, your underdog in there every now and then. But I'll, I'll, I'll hand it over to, to Jesse, actually. I'll, I'll let you answer that one first, and then we'll go from there. Position coach-wise, um, I just look at it as, you know, being, being uh, immersed in it. It's just, you know... The head coach itself is doesn't really do anything. You take it as far as your assistant coaches can take you. Um, and in Colorado, uh, again, it goes back to... It's not very far is what Jesse's trying to say. 
yeah. Um, in you know, in Colorado, there's again, in my experience, even in, in high school ball, Rawson Valley, I wouldn't say is one of the big dogs, but as Simon just said, the underdog that can contend every once in a while, I would put them in that category where we are, you know, we were in the, the top 10 every year, but we never actually won. But, um, you know, even there at a, at a school in Colorado that is in the top 10 of, of 5A every year, even again, we had some parents that were uh, position coaches, but also just guys that were just volunteering and they didn't really have a specific position to play or coach. They just said, oh, we need to fill this spot. I'll, I'll be their cornerback coach. Um, so they just, again, go back to the inexperienced thing. Um, yeah, I think, like I said, position coaches are, the, are really the, the meat of, of the team, and they're going to take you as far as, as you can. And then to answer the question you had, Simon, about the, the athletic trainers or the, the personal trainers, why are they not coaches and everything like that? Um, I think it goes back to what you said about the pay. Why would you want to make a switch from being a high-level uh, you know, personal trainer who just rakes in the money every, every, uh, you know, month to go, you know, be a, a position coach or even just a head coach for a, you know, high school that doesn't do anything. So I would say that's, that's a big reason why, but then also I just know, you know, being, again, being a coach as well, that <laughs> a personal trainer, they get to be with each player for, you know, a given amount of time, hour, hour and a half a day where they can solely focus on everything like that. And a lot of, and you know, those people want to do that. They do get to teach them and it's, you know, very short time, very pinpoint. Here's what we're going to do. But as a football coach, I would say, you know, out of the, the 40 hour work week, I'm only coaching football, maybe 10 hours of that. And the rest, the other 30 hours is, you know, being, uh, you know, I wouldn't say babysitter, but, um, you know, you're taking care of them more as, as a human being, not a football player. So I guess that could be another another reason you could think of why a personal trainer wouldn't want to be a football coach. I'm gonna have to go ahead, Cody. I was just gonna echo money talks. Like, I mean, we okay. It's been mentioned a few times, right? That you know, some people volunteer to coach at at high schools, and some people volunteer to to be those uh, those assistant coaches, those position coaches. You know, when when I coached in the fall, it, it was it was for free. It was on my own time, right? So really, as far as like funding goes for like football in Colorado, beggars can't be choosers. Um, that's kind of the way it is. Football is not promoted to, you know, it's not promoted at the high school level to be this sport of like opportunity. I feel like it's more of like some sort of club, basically, that that you pay to be in. And like, oh, cool, we got new uniforms for the second time in four years, but like, we just went like five and five because we have the same dinky coaching staff, or we lost some coaches to, you know, schools that are going to pay the money. Your, your Cherry Creeks and and your your Valors and whatnot, your Mullins even that that are going to actually pay some of their assistants' money and most of their assistants' money. And so for these special, like there's a place for specialization coaches, I think, but they're going to stay in that position instead of like building coaching trees because there's no, like Jesse said, there's no reason to make that switch because th those position guys, like they're going to work on drills. They have like specialized like things to work on with every single player to make them better and to help them out and do their connection thing. 
and you know that that's all that they're gonna have to do and they're not gonna have to deal with you know like as much press if you know a team loses a game you know like they're they have a very high reward and pretty low risk i'd say comparatively to a coach so you know there's just not a lot of incentive to do it as far as you know weighing out the pros and cons or the financial reasonings especially because if the financials were there i think that they would take those pros and cons but when you when you get to work on your own time and have a lot less to lose i'd say then then why would you fair enough money does speak william or mason do you have something to add on uh to that topic here i think they're afraid man i think they're i think they're afraid to fail i'm being honest with you you know what I mean? Like they they are afraid that if they become a coach, they will be um, what's the word? Discredited. No, they'll be uh, or exposed. They'll, they'll be exposed exactly. Interesting. And, pe- and people will finally know that they ain't worth. <laughs> pardon me, um, but you yes. know exactly what I'm talking about. These people oh, are yeah. not. They're not getting the kids that they're working with all the way they're not like we hear about jenkins elite with brayden dorman but nobody really talk about connor desh out there at western yeah Yeah. i mean if you're not getting 95 to 99 percent to 100 percent of the of the kids that you are working with sorry so if you're not getting 99 percent to 100 percent of the kids that you are working with, or at the very absolute minimum, like 95%, right? You are not doing your job. You are not succeeding in your job. And for them to then take that to the next level and go and be a head coach, they will get exposed for exactly what they are, which is shams. Mason, you were vigorously, vigorously nodding your head as Liam was introducing that. So why don't you go ahead and put in your two cents? When I coached middle school football, my quarterback was a, a Jenkins Elite kid. Um, and I talked one-on-one with one of the Jenkins Elite guys, and he came from high school football where he failed as a high school football coach. And uh, he was their positions coach for quarterbacks. He failed as their quarterbacks coach, moved to Jenkins Elite, says he makes double the money, and he coaches half the amount of time. So just a matter of him saying they're scared to fail well some of them have failed and no one knows it because no one cares enough they just see the name and the brand and what they're supposed to do for their kids and they're like oh yeah we're gonna pay all this money for these kids to be able to do what you know go to that next level but how many kids have we heard from jenkins elite or any of them how many of them have we heard that actually go to that next level Exactly. And for them to be charging the amount of money that they are charging, like as as a teacher myself, as a private instructor myself of a different area, which is music, which is different, of course. But if I was charging people the same amount of money, they all need to be getting record contract. They all need to be getting record contracts. Hey, don't worry about it. We got bleeps. Yeah, yeah they all fun. need to be getting record contracts if I am get, if I'm getting paid that much money. For me to live my life and coach half the time and do half the work that I'm doing, you know? I'd also like to say that at Jenkins Elite, yes, they do have some good coaches. I have talked to their training staff and stuff with that one kid. There are some coaches that I've seen that are good, 
but still they're not producing what they should be if you're going to be paying that much. And I think it's kind of a scam. Fair enough. Fair enough. Say, Simon, you, well, I was going to say, Simon, you, you give us your two cents because, because I'll definitely have something to say and then also a little bit of a transition too. So because no one's really passed it to you to see what you have to say about the specialization, but I know you have a lot of passion about this for sure though. Yeah, so we're going to talk about personal trainers a little bit more here, actually, kind of near the end of this thing. So I don't want to take too much of that topic. But, you know, just to throw this out there, Kyler Murray's dad, actually, uh, Kevin Murray, he was actually a Texas A&M quarterback and, in my opinion, was arguably the best quarterbacks coach in the state of Texas, probably in the entire country. And that's why his son has such a fluid uh, throwing motion and all that great stuff. And, you know, he was, I don't know, maybe it's just this, like, situation, it, this specific situation. But, you know, he was known as, like, that personal trainer, along with Deion Sanders, by the way. They were known as personal trainers and whatnot. And, you know, they're respected and all that. But in Texas, you know, if you're a real one, you'll hit the gauntlet and uh, join the coaching ranks and uh, see what's good. And so, in my opinion, it definitely felt like throughout Kevin Murray's career, he was, and if I'm saying his name wrong, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, he was definitely working up to that head coaching spot, you know, OC spot, quarterback position coach spot uh, in Texas. And I think as of right now, I could be mistaken. He is the head coach back in my hometown, actually, playing OS. He coaches all the rich kids over there. And, you know, obviously you see what's up with Deion Sanders. Uh, I want to say he was at that private school in Dallas. Right now he's at Jackson State as a head coach after finding success on the Texas level. And so, you know, everyone's different. I, I'm not going to blame guys for wanting to, you know, preserve their business because here's the deal, you know, uh, say, I don't know, say uh, Tim Jenkins or whatever comes down and becomes the new head coach of Palmer Ridge. Well, okay, sorry. I don't want to say that. Uh, shout out to Mark Armantrout. He, he's a very qualified coach over there. Say, uh, say Tim Jenkins comes down and becomes the next coach of whatever program here uh, opens up next. I really feel like it's not that hard to believe that that quarterback of that team is not at least a top 10 passer in the division every year, right? And if he's not, he's a failure. Or okay, he's not a failure, but he's a disappointment, is what it is. Because you're the quarterback guru, so that means your quarterback, who you are for the most part solely focusing on, or at least you should be, because you're the head coach, should be one of the best in the state. And so I get it. You know, if you are afraid, that's fine. And if, you know, you got to put food on the table for your family. I ain't, I ain't hating on you for that. You know, but it does kind of say you know, where Colorado football is competitive-wise, at least in my opinion. And so before we move on, we have been on this coaching subject for a minute here. I'm just going to read off a couple other things that we noted here. Uh, we did put down under coaches that they, at least the ones here, don't put a lot of trust in player input. Uh, nice shout time. out to our boy Wilson Clark. Make sure you check out the Wilson Clark interview. He uh, played for Ralston Valley, but what's up? Before you do that, could, you, could I say something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Because it's still under this coaching umbrella. Sure, And sure. something that, you know, and it's, we kind of talk about it, you know, down later in the financial stuff. But with these personal trainers, one thing that I will say about them in comparison to regular coaches, and we even have it here, is that, you know, these personal trainers, 
they have connections to those guys on the next level and they're they are helping actively with recruiting through connections alone and communications more so more so than high school coaches that I don't think advocate or do enough for their players as far as recruiting goes except for the for like a special few like when Mason and I did Troy Fountain's interview Troy talked about how the coaches are talking about how they need to make their film and what they need to put on their social media. And they help the coaches are helping make these highlight reels to get recruited. Former college coaches are helping make these highlight reels for college coaches to see. And these are some resources that, you know, these personal trainers have, right? Where they're gonna they're gonna get you right, they're gonna make your highlight reel look all clean. You know, they're gonna post these uh these videos of you working at their drills and at their camps. You know, if you scroll through you know, that Dungeon Family 6-0 Academy, it's all work. It's all work. So it looks like, you know, all, all these guys do is grinding. You're going to get, you know, a great worker. They they promote their players is what they do at these personal training camps way more than your typical Colorado high school football coach will. And that's a problem because it creates this disparity, you know, and it, it's coaches need to be advocating for their players more, especially those who do have a genuine interest to play on that next level. And it needs to be more resourceful. I think that I think that might come to an issue of like coaches in Colorado being like, it's about the team, it's about the wins. You know, if you, if you have the stuff, you'll get the stuff, you'll get there. You know, and then just like not caring to help their their own players. But like, they're saying this in coaching four and six teams, by the way. So they're yeah, just saying like, exactly. individual players, you're on your own. Like, good luck. Complacency. No coaches get fired, so why do you have to worry about your players if you're not going to lose your job? Yes, that's that's true. And I give um, a players losing your job, like if like in Texas where someone's going to get fired if they have three losing seasons in a row, you're going to purposely try and bring the players that are going to allow you to move to that next level. So that way you can keep your job. But then at that point, you're also trying to develop the players and help those players so you can bring in other players to work with the talent that you already have. But if you're not going to develop any players and you're not going to help them get to the next level, there's no point in even coaching at that point. You're not helping the kids. You're just helping your paycheck at that point. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, having that accountability for coaches uh, is a hard thing to come by here in Colorado because, you know, like I did say earlier, you know, shout out to one of my coaches back in Texas, but he used to coach at the high school over at Plano Coach McCullough. Uh, I want to say the last state championship that that high school won, that my high school won back in Plano, was under him. And so I, I want to say at the point where he was fired, he was coaching with them for about 20-ish years. His son was actually, you know, the um, is it the associate head coach or head coach in waiting? actually and so they had a whole succession plan they're gonna keep it in the family and whatnot that's what they had right and you know it's understandable they did a lot for the city they sent a lot of players to the league they advocated for their players but you know it was a very how should i say it was very apparent in the 
later years that they were just getting lazy. They weren't reaching out to colleges. I know that because I have friends who played for them and, you know, they got college offers, no thanks to them. And, you know, they were getting lazy. They weren't making playoffs. They were letting Allen, you know, put a whooping on them, uh, averaging 60 points, winning by 60 points, by the way, a game almost every year, which is unacceptable. And, you know, at the end of the day, what it came down to was two or three losing seasons. And, you know, even though he had 20 years in the state championship, he's out of here. Him and his son, you know, they they uprooted the entire family and fired all of them because they needed a change. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I can't see that ever happening to uh, Cherry Creek or a Valor even, who are some powerhouses I would, or some of the big dogs here in the state. Nonetheless, you know, one of these Colorado Springs schools or some of the schools in the Centennial League. And, you know, feel free to argue that if you want. But that's just my opinion. I don't think anybody would make that drastic of a change. The only person that I've seen make that drastic of a change was Valor High School. They fired their whole coaching staff to bring in McCaffrey and his coaching staff. They did do that my senior year. All right. Well, there you go. So one school, right? I'm going to be honest, I don't even know if there's any school in Colorado that would even go as deep as trying to make up a, a family root coaching staff. <laughs> so, And there you go. Well, okay, not, not that a family root coaching staff is great. There are plenty in Texas, and, you know, you could talk about biases and whatnot and uh, all that great stuff. But it does help to have continuity, doesn't, doesn't it? Like, you know, having the same plays keeping it in the family, knowing what each player is like, knowing what the coaching staff is like, you know, having barbecues over at their place, which, by the way, I realize is not a normal thing here in Colorado, I guess. But I don't know. I never saw any of my high school coaches' houses, Lamau. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, I don't know. Not that you have to do that stuff, but, you know, it goes a long way building team chemistry if you if you know who your coach is beyond the football field and beyond whatever facade they put on after that as well. And that's coming from a football coach. Is there any other disputes to that or comments? No, I, I was just going to uh, mention how like this complacency and not having to like, not really having a fear of being fired leads into this loop where uh, coaches are a bunch of know-it-alls, right? Where like, why would you listen to anybody? If A, your job isn't in danger, and B, if your job's like not in danger, then like, what do you have to lose? So why should you listen to anybody? So like, you know, and that that has a bunch of other repercussions. Like coaches don't trust quarterbacks all that often here in Colorado, I don't think. Like nobody really hands their quarterback the keys. Um, there's not a lot of trust in player input, which you mentioned at one point, Simon, and once again, listen to that Wilson Clark interview where he kind of touches up on that, how, you know, he knew how to slide protections and he knew how to adjust protections, but wasn't given a chance at Ralston Valley, I might mention. So I, I want to make sure to get Jesse's input on this, but, you know, it, it, it's a cycle, right? No, nobody gets fired. Coaches get complacent. They're know-it-alls. Players don't get developed. Loop-de-loop. So Jesse, you want to talk about, I guess, like, whether it's complacency or like coaches not listening or what, what are some issues that happen with, with some coaches at Ralston Valley, if you wish to speak on it? I don't know. I guess all I'll say is, you know, if you look at pay, on paper over the last, what, eight years or so, I mean, Ralston Valley is a pretty new school. I think they started in like 2000 and, uh, 
I don't know, 2003 or something like that. So it's a relatively still new high school compared to most things. Um, but if you look throughout their um, you know, history, you would say they're a pretty successful football team uh, for high school in Colorado. Um, have made it to um, you know, the, the playoffs, I would say, in 90, 90% of the years that they've, they've played and all this stuff. And like I said, always in the top 10 in the state. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but I think it goes back to, again, it just goes back to a team like Ross Valley just has superior athletes. The coaches did nothing ever. I mean, our, our head coach was a military guy. Like you said, he tried to do everything like that. But really, all he did was know how to, you know, make us stronger. I wouldn't say he was a very good football coach, X's and O's wise. Um, he was a good strength guy. Um, we did a lot of stuff like that. Um, so we were able to get stronger and stuff like that. But again, I think it just goes back to... I used to say at Rawson Valley when you guys are talking about this guy, you know, he he knows the techniques, but he wasn't given the opportunity to do it or develop them because the coaches didn't know how to develop those techniques. They were just given athletes that know what they're doing already. Um, and, and then, you know, I think at Rawson Valley, they could have been, yes, more of a lead way. I mean, uh, you know, again, giving giving the players more of, uh, you know, advocating for more of the players and giving them more of an ability to do stuff. I know, I mean, I don't know. Quarterback-wise, Rawson Valley hasn't had a very strong culture of quarterbacks in the past, you know, ever, um, because they 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 don't. But but run, you know, running backs have been really good. They they've always been a running running thing, and the offensive line is also very has been very strong. And they just you know bulldoze people. They're they're big strong dudes that run over everybody and just you know make it easy for running back. I played a running back there. You know, one of our running backs, Andrew Wingard, now playing in the NFL. Um, I mean, he's not playing running back anymore, but he. He won Gatorade Player of the Year his senior year in 2015, but if you watch his highlight tape, it's not like he's a, a freak of a nature running the ball like a Christian McCaffrey or anything like that. The offensive line just, you know, mowed everybody over, and then he just ran to the end zone every time. So anybody could have been back there and do that. Um, so, you know, we had four or five running backs that did that. So I would say it's more of just a, a physicality, you know, gifted athlete mentality in at Ralston Valley and then I would say at those you know mid-tier upper tier besides your big dogs in Colorado that again it goes back to what we talked about at the very you know top of the show that Colorado has the athletes to compete with Colorado or to Texas and uh, Florida and, and California all the athletes are the same it's just they're not given the opportunities to develop because the coaches again don't really know what they're doing. Mason it looks like you have something to say. Yeah I'd like to pose this question do you think if we took a coaching staff from Texas or like California or somewhere like that and brought them to one of our lower level schools here that they could win a state championship in the 5A level? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I feel like if you could develop your players and you just had that development issues in the past, like if they come in here, you give them two, three years to develop those freshmen, those stars that could be studs, you know, and they could go to that next level. If they have the correct development, I feel like anyone could win a state championship. There's no one that stands above anybody else. Here. That one team that's like, man, these guys have been doing it right for years and years. Like we've seen Valor fall off. We've seen Promona fall off. We've seen them rise back up, but none of them have developed anybody. Like Christian McCaffrey, yeah, but his dad is Ed McCaffrey. He's gotten that personal training throughout of it. But like, do we see that many players that are developed from one coach? I really like that question, and I like what you had to say there. Um, as somebody who was coached from, you know, in, in Texas, I I think it would depend the program because here's the deal as well. You know, obviously 
Well, okay, first things first, they're not going to win year one. <laughs> or, or even year two or three, if I'm going to be completely honest, because um, the thing that, this is something that coaches always try to do, but they always try to, you know, set that culture, right? But it's hard to set that culture when, you know, the overall culture of the state is basically the same thing. There's not a lot of differences, <laughs> at least in my opinion, culture to culture uh, in Colorado. Now, you do have a couple cultures around here that are very exceptional. I'm going to go ahead and shout out Dakota Ridge. I believe they do a great job. I love Coach Woj out there. Love all their players, really, from Ben Goldstick, Spencer Hardy, Charlie, uh, Noah, Dante. They're all great kids, and they're all great athletes, multi-sport athletes, by the way, who, you know, do a very good job, and it's apparent that the culture there is special. And then you have, like, you know, the the Colorado Springs schools, and I'm going to keep coming back to them, that are all the same to me, you know, Doherty, Rampart, Coronado, Palmer, you know, they all have, they may have different records and whatnot, but to me, they're all the same um, when it comes to culture. And I could say that because coming from Texas, I was very much frustrated with the work ethic of basically the entire team like there really wasn't many dudes that i looked at and i was like oh yeah he has the same passion and fire as you know my my workout buddies in texas you know and that that was a that was, that was hard for me to buy into as somebody who like definitely buys into the grind but you know when you're grinding by yourself it's like okay you know what's the point of doing all this work when i'm just gonna get stuffed in the backfield 50 times a game because uh they're you know too busy smoking or doing something stupid on the weekends as as expected and so that was my deal there and so uh, i think bringing in a coaching staff from texas or california they're tougher and they're gonna expect more and you know i think the bigger problem will be at, at least to a degree will be finding players that will buy into that and will continue to buy into that because I definitely see uh, and this isn't all players obviously but there are uh you know an alarming amount of players and maybe I just play for dysfunctional teams that's very possible as well that just don't care enough about football and uh and yeah so that's that's my answer to that before I yeah. get too much into complacency in Colorado football but yeah, what, just, what about the rest of you I'll just add to Simon real quick I think I 100% agree with him I think it depends um you know, you could bring the top, the top coaching staff from a Texas or a California, and like you said, they would they definitely wouldn't be successful in the first few years here. But I think it also goes back to yes, we talked a lot about coaches. You know, we've talked the last hour about coaches, and they have a big part of it, but also just the administration um, of Colorado schools. Uh, we won't go into too big of a detail with it, but um, I, you know, being around, taking a few recruiting trips, seeing different places, obviously there's just a difference in in what administration. Uh, you know, what they value um, between a place like Colorado and Texas. Uh, you know, we've been we've been using those examples like, you know, Texas is known for a football state. You know, the, they football is important to them um, and, and they're going to pour money into, and stuff like that where, you know, actually being in the recruiting side now and, and getting to see it, see everything. Yes, Texas and, and places like that and more of the South, you know, that's always what it is and stuff like that, that they put their their time and money and effort into football whereas I've, I've been learning over this past year that Colorado is looking more at academics they pour a lot more stuff in academics and even you know academics instead of um, you know all sports in general I wouldn't say Colorado is a huge sport hub um, you know 
I think they look more at, at trying to get their their students bet the best academics. I know Simon smiled because yes, I'm saying when I said money, yeah, the, the teachers don't get paid, but um, you know they they they're trying. That's I think what they try to uh, you know value is is finding the ways to get the education higher within schools in Colorado rather than you know trying to make a living by sports. Understandable. I. You know what? This is not an education podcast, so I won't talk too much about that. But that's understandable. Obviously, you know, each school has their uh, own set of priorities, and that's good and well. But, you know, as an educator, as well, I do believe most schools want to have good academics in general, because I definitely know, I mean, I know schools that do both, you know, but I, I definitely get what you're saying as well, because that's a, that's a, I, I'm having administration support coming from a former teacher is always a big deal and uh, influences a lot of decisions there. But uh, Cody, Liam, uh, did you have uh, answers to Mason's question here? I mean, I think that you take you take a staff from a successful program in, in another state and you give them a chance here. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to give you a timetable, but they're going to find success and they're probably going to win a state championship at some point. I mean, look at Cherry Creek has the most talented, in-depth coaching staff in the state of Colorado, I would say, spearheaded by Dave Logan, former NFL player, right? He gets a lot of autonomy with with his team, with his staff. And so then, you know, he basically, he basically takes the best position coaches from everywhere else after he sees them do like a good job with a certain unit. And he's like, hey, do you want to get paid to do this or whatever? Or do you want to win a state championship? Because we will. And then they go out and they do it. So like, you know, that that's kind of the results you see from a competent coaching staff that cares about winning football. So I think you could see a very similar thing if you get, you know, another coaching staff that's competent and believes and cares about winning football to make the calls that they need to make. Yeah, I think that uh, Colorado coaching, from what I've, from my short experience with it, is um, and like trying to pay attention to it because we're we're doing this podcast, is um, pretty weak in in the the strategic aspect. I think that Colorado coaches kind of overvalue the athletic uh, aspect of of their student athletes. And I think they do that in a way that really harms their student athletes and doesn't really prep them for being adaptable to other offenses or defenses and doesn't prep them for being adaptable to college schemes or high school scheme or other even high school schemes or NFL schemes for crying out loud. You know, that, I mean, that's the furthest asp- that's the furthest thing away from what they're going for at the moment. But, you know, they, they rely on there's students running through the other team. They don't rely on their students making the right cuts or the right reads. They rely on their students, you know, bowling over a defender. But what happens when your quarterback can't truck a guy anymore because the next guy that he's going to go truck is six foot five? You know, like they're, they're just athleticism runs out at some point. And then the the brain needs to come in, and I think uh, Colorado coaches kind of struggle with that. Like going from three A to four to four A at my high school, like we 
crushed people in 3A. We went 11 and 2 or 12 and 2 or something like that. Um, and then in 4A, we just got demolished. I think we won two games, like I said. Maybe it was four, maybe it was five. But, like, we, we won almost nothing comparatively. And it was just like, if 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 the str- if the strategy had been there, if the mind had been there, the minds had been there, then we would have at least been able to probably go 50-50 after being that dominant in 3A, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it sh- you should. You should, you should. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> unless it's that big of a talent drop, which I right. really don't feel like it is. And I never think it is, you know? It, I mean, it's rarely that big of a talent drop. It didn't happen to Erie this past year going from exactly. 4A. Exactly. So, so, yeah. I think that's a great transition, honestly. And I wanted to let, I wanted to point it back to Simon here because, you know, Liam's talking about these athletes, you know, they just go make plays. And Simon has a really good quote here, in my opinion, on our, on our little draft doc here about, you know, how far one player can take you and uh yeah i just want to pass it to simon real quick and you know kind of take us into that complacency in football and why it's so and and how that impacts players and whatnot in the culture yeah no for sure so i i'm gonna be completely honest you know feel free to get offended or not offended but (laughs) and you know just keep in mind this was eighth grade me and my boys in eighth grade but when I found out I was moving to football, or moving to football, moving to Colorado and all of that, um, I vividly remember sitting in the lunchroom back in Carpenter Middle School over in Dallas. And I was talking with my boys and I told them like, oh yeah, I'm moving to Colorado. Uh, I'm gonna play football there, you know, nothing's gonna change, right? And they're like, oh dude, that's easy. There ain't no ballers from Colorado. They ain't about that life. Exact words, you know, exact, actually, and then after that, they followed up with all they know how to do is smoke weed. And that's that's who they are, you know. And now that's not everyone, obviously. I came here and uh, as a middle schooler, you know, or sorry, as some a middle schooler going into high school, obviously there are things to learn there. But uh, I'd be lying if I was saying that was something that didn't kind of come up a lot, you know, drug abuse and stuff like that. And just overall just being unfocused, you know, and just being I don't know, just going through the motions and being comfortable with peaking in high school. That's the biggest thing, I would say, when it comes to uh, at least some of the Colorado uh, football locker rooms I've been in. They are, a lot of them are just very comfortable with peaking in high school. They're not going to put in the extra work. They're not going to put in the film work. They won't know, you know, the basics of the plays. And, you know, if they're good enough because of the level of talent here in Colorado, they'll probably get get you to the playoffs. And, you know, whether they have a good off season or not, you know, they'll do their thing and they'll go through the motions, but you know, that just doesn't translate to the college level. Those aren't habits that are like good. You know what I mean? Like you can write off that talent for a minute, but like all of us as coaches and, you know, football fans and, you know, guys who have broken down players and worked with players here know that, you know, habits are everything, right? You know, your talent, that's one thing. And, you know, your intellectual knowledge of the game, that's another thing, but if you don't have the habits or the drive to put in the work, you know, so you're just another, you're just another, like, I don't want to say what I was going to say, but I was going to say, you're just another boy that doesn't do, you know, you're, you're out there, you're out there as a background character, basically. You ain't really about that life. 
And, you know, I get it. You know, football isn't as obsessed over here as it is in Texas. But, you know, you at least got to care. Like, I remember in Texas, we had plenty of multi-sport athletes on the football team. We had dudes who were obviously hoopers. I'll be honest with you. And we had dudes who were obviously track stars, right? But when it came down to football, they still cared. And they still put in that work. And they still, you know, did all of that uh, research and uh, film work and uh, do the little things right. And I think, look, I'm going to be honest with you. We, we weren't even a, like, you know, a powerhouse program. We weren't the Allen Eagles, Kyler Murray and all them. We were the guys getting beat by Kyler Murray and all them. But that doesn't mean, you know, we don't know how we're getting beat and we just let it happen. You know, we know what's going wrong and whatnot, which is probably the more upsetting part of it all. But I think the complacency among athletes in Colorado is definitely concerning. And, you know, I can't blame that all on the kids. I'll never do that, uh, in my opinion. You know, part of that you could put on coaches, parents, coaches, whatever. Uh, you know, you pick one or multiple if you want. But, you know, that's just kind of how I saw it coming here. And for me, that was definitely a big turnoff because it's hard to stay motivated when you really don't got guys who are motivated like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't really have a follow-up question to that. But, I mean, do y'all agree, disagree? What What are y'all's personal experiences with complacency in Colorado? Do you think that is one of the bigger problems uh, when it comes to, I guess, just the level of or the quality of play here in Colorado as far as uh, football goes? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask um, both Liam and Mason specifically, I guess, what's kind of the demeanor of football players that you've seen? Because, I mean, look, I feel like here in Colorado, two and five football players walk the same as five and two football players because they're like God's gift. Um, both, you know, from Mason, who, who played at the same high school as me and, you know, obviously go to Jesse. And then Liam, who has the outside perspective, you know, as, as far as like how were Silver Creek players walking around if they were part of that championship team and then walking around when they were part of those losing seasons, was there a noticeable difference or were they still where they still like the football players and you were supposed to move out the way. Uh, I'll go ahead. Uh, so, I don't know. Silver Creek was kind of weird. Like the, the cool kids were like the baseball players and, and, and stuff like that. So it was kind of strange. Um, like the, not that the football players weren't cool, but like our, our, um, our like senior class president was, a, was like the basketball captain. So, um, football kids were still cool but they weren't and maybe they felt like they were god's gift but they were still a little bit more humble and they were still a little bit more um respectful of everybody else like i was friends with them as a theater kid and i was you know my my best friend who was the track captain or the cross-country captain was good friends with like most of the football players uh, so like we were all still friends even like within other cliques we all still kind of got along. So maybe my school was weird, but that was my experience. So I'm going to talk from the coaching standpoint of a middle school team that did very poorly the year I coached. Um, they did awful, but like at the same time, they they kept their heads up, but they did not come from that standpoint of like they weren't walking around like they're God's gift. But then in high school, I've played on a team that we went undefeated. And then I went on to a team 
like the next year where we didn't win more than two games and every single one of them still acted like they were God's gift and they walked on water. Um, but like none of them took accountability for what they had to do and what they did wrong. And then like when they'd get called out in film, it would always be someone else's fault. It would always be arguing with the coaches like, oh, this kid didn't block for me. And it's like, nah, dude, if you look, this kid blew that kid out of the water. You're dumb. You didn't take the cut. But like they don't want to hear that. They want to hear, oh, this kid didn't block for me, so it's not my fault because I'm still a good football player. And it's like, nah, you suck, but we're still playing you because you're what we got. It's like either get better or don't. And they don't get that here. They really don't. Jesse, did you have uh, anything you wanted to add it all add on to uh, to this topic? I want I want to say that Silver Creek football players always had a good sense of humor. Oh, nice. Those, those kids had the had the the same sense of humor as me for some some reason. I don't know. I don't know how. It was like theater and then football. Like somehow we all had the same same weird sense of humor. So shout out to shout Fair out enough. to them. Fair enough. Well, I'll tell you, Liam. Every time I played baseball against Silver Creek two, we still kicked the crap out of them. So they're all bad. But yeah. Then, no, I know. But no, the baseball team wasn't anything either. It was like, come on, guys. <laughs> If you guys are going to be the cool kids, you know, you better do something. But anyways, um, I don't know. I think it just speaks to, the, like you said, the complacency of Colorado football. I mean, again, we were a uh, top 10 team, but I, I would say whether we're winning or losing, all of our players acted the same in high school or Austin Valley. There'd be guys that just didn't even want to put the jersey on and, and uh, you know, walk around in school on a Friday. And there are people that wanted to. And I think it was just, I guess a personal preference. I don't think many people cared either way. So they I mean, they didn't make it mandatory to wear wear anything or dress up or anything like that. So I mean, I used to say no matter we're winning or losing, they they didn't care. It was all the same. Fair enough. That's uh, that's really interesting. I don't know. Um, that that is kind of on... weird that there was no like team dress code. Yeah. Or I don't know. I guess some schools do that. I've, I've, I've been around schools that uh, I've done that, which, you know, that's that's a coaching thing, I would say. Um, you know, we're your players and whatnot. But, you know, there you go. Um, as far, I didn't mention this at all, but I guess when it came to players feeling like they're God's gift and, uh, you know, acting like they own all the hallways, I would say at Doherty for sure. Actually, no. At Doherty TCA for sure. You know, they definitely acted like they were all about that. Um, and I don't know. And for me, it was always off-putting. Because even though I was part of that group that like that was a football player, like I'd, I'd be looking at dudes who – and, you know, confidence is all that's cool. I'm not trying to hate on confidence, not at all. But, you know, they'd be trying to flex that they're on the football team and all that. And all I could think about is that missed block they had that could have allowed me to score or could have allowed a teammate to score or – uh, all I could think about is that one time they ran the most wrong route in the world and it caused an interception and it's stupid mistakes. And in my opinion, you don't have room to act like that if you can't even do the little things right. If you can't do the little things right, you're nothing to me. Like, I'll just be honest, you're nothing to me. You're not a real baller. And, you know, like I said, that's what separates the, you know, good football players from the great ones. And to be a great football player, you got to care about those things too. Because if you don't, you just another schmuck that's uh, that's running around, you know what I'm saying? And you're a background character. That's what you are. And if you accept that, that's cool too. I'm just I'm just saying. Cody, do you have anything to add on? You look like you about to 
grossly low-key. Well, yeah, I know some some cats that were on the football team literally for just like the to wear the jersey on Fridays just to not play. And they'd be like, Yeah, I'm on the football team. And people would be like, What position do you play? And they're like line like they don't even know what they're <laughs> supposed to be doing but they're just there because like they think that they look pretty or something for being on the football team like there's definitely like a status that comes with being i mean we know this everywhere there's a status with being a football player but like i feel like in colorado athletes are fine with just being a football player in title and not in success and and that's a part of the complacency and you know that like like I, I forget who said it, but, you know, it goes beyond the players, it's the coaching, it's the state, it's the parents, it's the administration, but it still happens. And, like, you know, there, there's a lot of players that act super clouded, like, especially, like, within classes, too. Like, you have, like, some sophomores, like, playing JV ball or, okay, sophomores not even playing JV ball, but they're on the JV team, you know, and, and they make good cheerleaders on the sidelines and stuff. And then they they strut around the school like like we just beat like another JV team because of them when it's like just stay in your lane for real for real and like I don't know there is a lot of like unfavorable opinions of football players at least at my school like weren't liked that none of this like theater kids football kids no way. No way. Like, nobody liked the football players, if I got to be completely honest with you, other than, well, the baseball players. But maybe that, I'm not sure what that correlation is. But, like, I don't know. Football players, at least at our out, were just annoying and so full of themselves for no reason, bro. Like, we didn't do anything in our four years. We lost to Jesse my sophomore year. And then they went and got smoked by Valor. Like, n like nothing happened for us. We had an undefeated regular season. That's cool. But Arapahoe ain't won no state championship in, like, 60 years or something ridiculous. Maybe it was, like, 40 or 50. It's all the same beyond, like, 30 to 40 years, right? Because, like, ain't none of us were even alive then. And some of our coaches weren't even alive. So, like, who... No one cares. For real. Sorry, that was... Oh, bro. Cody, Cody said, ain't Cody, no thing without a ring. I mean, Cody, Cody went undefeated in the regular season. Then he went and played a real team. <laughs> Hey, hey, let me disrespect Bear Creek before you do that. We did beat, we beat Bear Creek with one player. <laughs> yeah, well, we, would, we wouldn't even play Bear Creek because Bear Creek probably would have forfeited if they had to play us. <laughs> <laughs> Mason, do you have something to add on? That season, I was a freshman, and uh, then when they went 10-0 in the regular season, and we didn't play a single team that was – we had the easiest schedule I've ever seen. Hey, we beat Grandview. We beat Grandview. Yeah, by like one touchdown. And it might not even have been like a full touchdown. It might have been like a field goal. <laughs> Bro, that was a good dub. But anyways, um, okay. like well, I'm just saying like none of it, like it's cool and all, but like it, it don't, it don't matter when the next year you go four and six. Like, you know, that was, that was a blip. You know, and it wasn't like there's no lasting impact on that from that season. And that's what sucks because, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just frustrating. And like the playoff game that we did win, it kind of goes into this complacency. And I think this is a testament to both coaches and fellow athletes where it's like here in Colorado, like, OK, and 
in other states, you know, coaches do a good job of getting the ball to a plethora of dudes who can make plays. Here in Colorado, we just get it to whoever, like, we think is the best uh, on, like, the offensive side of the ball and just do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And we don't, like, we don't ask anybody else to do anything. So then other athletes are like, well, Ray Haas, you know, he's going to catch four touchdowns and he's going to run for one. And we don't need even we don't even need to be in the game for us to win. Like, it doesn't matter. And then coaches get lazy where it's like, well, I mean, Ray Haas, he, he scored on on two seam routes last week. So let's call three seam routes. And then we don't even score a touchdown against Ralston Valley because, well, they saw the film, too. So what's wrong with that? All right, listen here. I watched the film. They did the uh, the same play over and over. So I just stood in that spot and Cody ran to that spot and I just took the ball from him. <laughs> can, I, can I get confirmation on that? He didn't get a pick on me because we didn't throw it my way all game. I don't know if that makes me sound worse or better. I legit just ran freaking go routes and hitch routes because that was our entire offense. And Jesse knew that, so he's like, oh, cool. Yeah. But he didn't get I a mean, pick. I'm... He didn't get a pick on me. Relax. Well, I mean, like, speaking of that, though, I mean, that's that's tough, though. Only go routes and... I don't know. There, we could do a whole thing about simplified playbooks and whatnot, too. You low-key kind of touched on it a little bit there. But, I mean, I kind of it. feel like I kind of feel like a lot of teams run simplified playbooks or they scale down because they feel like their athletes don't have the capability to understand that um, as, as a high schooler or a middle schooler. But here's the deal. I... I really feel like that's a bunch of BS because, I mean, look, I, I get like not wanting to overwhelm players and whatnot for sure, um, but I definitely remember in Texas us learning very complicated spread concepts that Kyler Murray and them would run because we knew if we could stop that offense, we could stop any offense because they ran spread, they'd go back into eye, they'd go back into gun, they'd run triple option for like two or three whole drives and then go back into spread. They, they ran a multiple offense that basically had everything. And, you know, Kyler Murray, he stayed out there. There was no, you know, like, oh, he's our, he's our power back type of guy or he's our receiving back type of guy. Like, no, the running backs learned every single route, blocking assignment, uh, adjustments that they need to call out as well, all of that stuff. And we knew that because we had to counter that with our defenses and make audibles and, and adjustments on the fly. And to be honest, if I was able to learn some of those basic concepts as an eighth grader, I feel like a high schooler should be able to understand, you know, more routes than a hitch, post, go, and then, you know, you have your option and read routes as well. Um, but I just feel like we don't see that. I think that's the thing with Colorado educators in general, and maybe that's not a place that we want to go down, but I think that that's uh, just kind of this this like underestimation of, of, of kids and their and their actual intelligence levels. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, we, we won't go down that route. But I mean, as a coach, though, eventually you got to trust them to your you got to trust your players and hold them to hold them more accountable and hold them to a higher level because if you're just like uh, i don't know i don't know if this quarterback knows how to read a cover two defense or a disguise cover three you know let's just let's just run the screen route you know let's just run the screen route and then call dive and then hitch and slant and then do it all over again until we score eventually then 
you know, you, you're just babying them. And honestly, Cody and I, when we were breaking down some of these quarterbacks, receivers, um, and specifically, I would say we definitely criticized, you know, their level of understanding of the game, how many routes they ran, how many routes they threw, uh, what they're looking at, you know, if they're, if they're even doing pre-snap reads and whatnot to a deeper level. And, you know, those who were able to, you know, read correctly and may, be able to make all those throws and be a very variety kind of player were ranked naturally higher. Those who weren't, even though they might be better athletes, shout out to Anthony Costanzo, ain't even ranked. And for a good reason at that, right, Cody? Yeah, absolutely. No, we that is probably one of the biggest problems we run into watching film is that players aren't challenged at all mentally. And it's like, you know, if you're afraid that your quarterback can't recover too, what are you doing about it? Like, coach him up. That's your job, bro. Uh, also, sorry, Caden Dudley, not Anthony Costanzo, but they play for the same team and they basically do the same thing. So <laughs> they're the yeah. same person. They're the same athlete, but one is younger. And, you know, I know they got all mad and whatnot, but I mean, come on, bro. Like, <laughs> you got run the route tree. Yeah, whatever. if you wanted to be a top five wide receiver, then you should have ran more than go routes, bro. But anyways, yeah. that, that, that beef already happened. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess... Jesse, coming from, or wait, Liam, go ahead. I, oh, I was just gonna say that, like, if I can dress down a defense and I've never stepped a foot on a on a football field in pads, and I can like know the difference between cover two, cover three, cover four, you know, and and stuff like that, man, zone, it doesn't matter. Any any quarterback worth their salt who can throw the ball should be able to read that. And if he can't read it, even if he can throw the ball, he should be sitting on the bench, in my opinion. Yeah, well, Liam, you play Madden, so woohoo for you. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, I was going to say, Jesse, coming from, I mean, look, Ralston Valley, they ran the wing T, and it worked, right? But, like, would you say that that was, like, really rewarding as a player to, like, I mean, obviously you won games and whatnot, but, like, what was the autonomy? Like, okay. Let me let me kind of start over. Simon, Jesse, and I, having taken coaching classes, we know how important autonomy is to athletes, and there's just not a lot of it here in Colorado. And like, I guess, what was that kind of like relationship like? Like, would you echo what Wilson Clark um, had to say in his interview, where like there wasn't a lot of, you know, autonomy? Anyway, um, there wasn't a lot of autonomy out there at Ralston Valley. And then Mason, after uh, after Jesse here, I see that you've been waiting a minute, so. Um, I would just say, uh, well, first of all, no one in college runs the wing tee, so I don't know why, you know, I mean, great, it works <laughs> in, in high school, or, but again, I think overall, just what we've been talking about is, you know, just being babied, I guess you could say, I would say Colorado football in general just sets up players for failure at the next level, because, I mean, we have... I mean, we have four quarterbacks, five quarterbacks on the roster, and if you don't know how to read the defense, then we're just going to get the next one because <laughs> we'll find one that's going to be able to read a defense. Uh, so, I mean, I think also just the fact that, uh, you know, I'll go into our stuff just a little bit here. We have, you know, one of the most complex offenses in college football. We run the run and shoot, so it's all read routes. So the quarterback – 
the running backs, the offensive line, and the uh, you know receivers all need to be on the same page. It's the ultimate system-based uh, offense. And with the read routes, you know, we always explain it to guys like this. Well, if you if you're if a slant route is called in Colorado, you're running a slant route no matter what. But when you get to the college level, why would you want to continue to run the slant route if the slant is called, but there's the defender in there and your inside shade? Why not run an out route? That just makes logical sense. Let's run where the guys aren't. So, you know, but in order to do that, the receivers, the running backs, the the, the quarterbacks, and the offensive line all need to know that to be on the same page. Again, it goes back to the autonomy thing where you need to have that, you know, all together in order for it to work. Um, and so just being able to, you know, read a defense, know what's going on, uh, and having that ability to to figure out different things to do in different situations is, is very important at the college level and in Colorado high schools don't give you that uh, option. Mason, did you have uh, something you wanted to add on tonight or what we have been talking about? I would like to say that I have seen a California middle school playbook and it was more complex than my high school defensive playbook. Um, and that's saying something very, very sad. We ran we had like a check play and then that was the only adjustment we make on the line. Um, we would run four or five stunts that they would call before play. And even if I could like read, the, read that the stunt wasn't going to work, I still had to run it because they wouldn't allow us to say anything or put any input in. And like, we'd run like an X cross where like my defensive tackle would come across my face and I'd come underneath. Well, you run that three times in a row. They're not going to, they're going to know you're going to run it. So, you know, when they call X cross three times, you're going to run it. And then you're going to step the same way you stepped the last three times. And any good lineman is going to stop you. It's just how it works. So I guess not having complex systems is just like stunting everything in Colorado. Yeah, no, for sure. Intellectually and uh, well, mostly intellectually, I would say, but physically as well, you know, in some ways. Uh, because you know you do for the muscle memory and if you're used to running <clears throat> sorry if you're used to running basic routes then i don't know and even then um this is a quick note before we move on to our next thing here but even then there are some players who run basic routes and don't even do that right <laughs> like it's sloppy like you're barely doing the route um and it's probably because you've done it a million times or not and you know you don't really have a bag of tricks but uh, it's it's stopping, you know. Cody and I have not, whenever we have breaking down Colorado receivers specifically, we don't shy away from going after footwork or the route running because it's almost always trash. I'm going to be honest with you. Chase Penry being the best route runner, he's only really, in my opinion, he's a great player. He's extremely talented and all that, but he's only really one of the best because, you know, he actually has solid route running. I wouldn't even say he's a, you know, fantastic route runner. He's really good, but you know, he has solid route running because he puts in the work and every route he runs basically looks the same, you know, very crisp and good. And I believe you could believe in, or you agree with that, right, Cody? Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. But you know, let's kind of move on and talk about comparisons to players from other states. I know we listed here Elijah Graham and Troy Fountain. Uh, but you know what? I kind of want to ask Jesse because he is the college coach here and he has 
uh, experience recruiting players, both from Colorado and out of state. And so, uh, Jesse, I'm just going to give you a very general question and you can answer it however you want. But, you know, what is the biggest difference? What is the biggest difference between recruits that you're looking at in Colorado and out of state? Um, okay, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different things. Um, I'll touch on both both coaching staffs uh, in Colorado and in uh, other states and then also players as well. Um, but players, I would say, you know, uh, it goes back to that, that thing, you know, you have, you know, you got you to get a, uh, a film, uh, a tape out, you know, you got to get some, some film on, on the, uh, you know, on the coach's desk, especially in today's day and age when you have you know you can't go out and actually physically recruit at schools because of the whole uh covid thing going on that i do most of my recruiting from the computer and on you know on huddle and having all of the uh the film is important so i think you know just the difference i i see in in players from other states and then in colorado you know just their film and their tape isn't nearly as you know set uh, set, you know, what I'm trying to say here, set, set up, you know, in the best way to see what I'm looking for, uh, within, you know, within the time I'm given. I have to look through, you know, 400 different guys a day when recruiting. And so I'm not going to watch your whole 11 minute highlight tape. I'm going to watch the first minute and a half. So you, your best, your best plays better be in that first minute and a half. If they're not, I'm moving on. If they are, and you know, you catch my eye, I'll put them aside and go back to them later. Um, but I, again, it's just, you know, I see lots of guys from Colorado with 11 minute tapes, 20 minute tapes, or, you know, your first play is getting tackled for a five yard gain. Like, cool. Everybody in America can get a five yard gain and get tackled. I want to see what you can do, you know, with, you know, with what you, what you, what you got. I want to see your big plays. I want to see what, what's going on within the first, you know, even 30 seconds of your highlight tape. So, you know, for, for you young athletes that are listening to this, I'll, 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 give you that tidbit as, as a college coach and as a college recruiter, you know, I'm, I'm really looking for, for your first 30 seconds of your tape. So make sure that is the, that is the best, um, simple as that. And then, and then coaching staff wise, um, you know, I would say, I think we talked, we touched on again, we talked a ton about coaches, but just the whole recruiting aspect, um, just difference between Colorado and other places, you know, even Illinois is, Illinois is not a huge football state, but at least the coaches are active in what they're doing. And, and um, you know, I would say out of, you know, my year coaching, I've received one prospect list from a coach in Colorado and it was Castle Rock High School. Um, and it's because I reached out to him first. But, um, you know, I get a, no, another 20 emails a day from different schools, you know, usually in the South, where it'll just be a, some random high school coach sending me their you know, their prospect list of guys that they think can play and all this stuff. And I'm like, I've never talked to you once. I don't know anything about your school. I mean, eventually I'll get to look at it. I'll, I'll put it aside and I'll eventually look at it. But, um, you know, just, just that active rec recruiting uh, for, for coaching staff as well. As Colorado coaches don't do that. I have to reach out to them if I even want to get anything. And then even when I reach out, I still, you know, maybe get, you know, 30% of what I, what I ask back. Um, from the Colorado standpoint, whereas coaches outside of Colorado, again, mainly more towards the South and Texas and stuff like that, where I'll, I'll get all of them back or, 
even just, you know, random things sent to me here and there. So um, that's, I, I mean, a quick overview of, of what I look at recruiting-wise and how Colorado recruiting compares to other other states. It's lazier. It's it, 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 basically the gist that I get from that, especially like, especially the coaches thing. Like you got one prospect list from Colorado because you asked for it versus all these other schools that, I mean, at least they're trying for their players, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like, I mean like, Damn, is it that hard? No, it, it's not that hard. I mean, you just got I mean, ideally, you know, as maybe a future high school coach, you know, who knows where my, my career takes me and stuff like that. But um, if I was ever a high school coach, the, the, the number one thing I would do is you put your you put your template together of your, your prospect list, and then it really doesn't have to change much since then. You just have to take guys in and out. That's simple as that. And then just blast it to everybody across America. It doesn't matter who it is. Just send it to everybody. Get your guys in front of everybody. It's simple as that. And it, I mean, yes, the creation of the document may take some time at the front, you know, front load it. But after that, you know, you're, you're spending maybe four or five hours, one week at the beginning of the season to to get all your guys out in front of college coaches. And then they can start talking to you about that. So, like, it's really not that big of a time commitment if you really, you know, look at it and put your mind to it and, and make it easy for you. And then during winter break, you have time to send the email anyway. Oh, yeah. You have time whenever. I, you know, I would say time management is one of the hardest things being a college football coach, but I still find time to do all of that where I'll even have, you know, 500 things to do this week, but I'll still be sitting there for two hours like, well, what am I going to do in these two hours? I have nothing to do right now. So I just sit there, you know, relax for a little bit, but like you can find time. It's, it's not that hard. Yeah. I was about to say, um... Mason and I, when we interviewed Troy Fountain, I brought it up a little bit ago, but he was talking about some of the difference in Alabama football. And I just wanted to say like, Mason, if you wanted to talk about that interview and some things that were either like eye opening to hear as like a Colorado, former Colorado football player as like a Colorado coach compared to how they do things in Bama, like what kind of caught your eye and what are some things that you think are worth mentioning that just contrast and show the problems with Colorado compared to Bama at least. Well, one of the main things that caught my eye the most from, like, Alabama football is his coach was like, hey, guys, there's a lot of you. I don't have time to get out to everybody, but we already put together your tapes. Here's your tapes. Here's some emails. Send them. Like, his coach gave him places to send it and helped him move on to trying to get to that next level, and he does that for every single player, and I don't think – a lot of coaches here do that. I don't think they actually like care enough to. And like I feel like he also he also talked about how his coaches were they were when they would coach and when they would do everything it was moving them towards getting to that next level. And he could see it and feel his progression, but I didn't don't think here that people really see or feel their progression throughout I don't think they really know what they're looking at and know what they're looking for to get to that next level. And I think coaches here are just trying to push them through the system instead of helping them progress through a system. Man, that sounds like the education system. But anyways. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that that's exactly what i i forgot about that it was like for legit every player too and already given them emails and resources to contact which 
I've never heard any player talk about that from coaches here in Colorado, personally. Um, other than maybe like a select few, but you know, it, those those few like their film already did the talking for them. I feel like so like they were already being recruited, and then the coach was like, "Oh yeah," like. I don't know, maybe trying to get some of that clout from that athlete or something for themselves, but... I know Valor Christian does send out a lot of emails, but only for their top prospects. Sounds about right. Top, like, probably like 10 to 20 players, they'll send out a bunch, and the rest of them are on their own. I will, I will, you know, chime in with that. I was like, yes, as a college coach, I don't want to see all 40 seniors you have um so i'd say that that's an okay thing to do that that, that valor does and most schools do that you know i want to see the guys that i mean i want to see the guys as a, as a coach i want to see the guys that you've built that relationship with you know what they're going to be like you know what they're going to do and you know that they can play at the next level so maybe that is five or six guys you know 10 guys in valor's case but maybe 15 you know valor's good but uh so I think that's okay. And then, but I think, you know, you could, you know, like they do in Alabama, I guess, uh, help out those guys that maybe aren't that good, but maybe want to get a shot at, at playing and stuff like that. You can at least be there to help them if they, if they need it. But I, I would say, you know, just chiming in, I think that's okay that there's only 10, 10 to 15 guys getting sent out. Um, I think that's what it should be. But you should also have a, a contingency plan for those guys that aren't on that 15-page list or 15-guy list um, in order to help them get them get there as well, whether they do it or not. Yeah, I mean, absolutely agreed there. Um, I'm kind of just going down this list here. So we did also put down Elijah Graham. I, did he say this exactly? Nobody puts in the work or the time in his interview? I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure that's paraphrased, but he said that the grind ain't the same here as it is in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I think at one point I asked him, so what's better, Washington football or Colorado football? Because in my opinion, the two states are very similar. And he was like, oh, easily Washington football. He didn't hesitate. Yeah. And obviously he's from federal, federal way and, you know, they're like a powerhouse over there and uh, he's biased because he is from Washington, but I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I kind of agree. Like I think about Washington and I'm like, Oh, that's an upcoming football state for sure. Like they got some dogs out there who are about that life and who do put in that grind. And you know what? I don't want to bash the players too much. Uh, I, I, I don't know for the rest of this episode, but you know, I, I definitely have to agree there. Um, look, you can have all the coaching staff and resources in the world, but if you don't want to do it, I mean, what's the point, right? Like, really, what's the point? So, so and it's not like he came to a bad program here in Colorado. He went to Cherokee Trail. Yeah, but who it, has, it just who has dudes? You know what I'm saying? Like, but right. yeah, he, it, you know, he came over to a good program. So it's not like, it, like I think it was a fair comparison, at least of like program prestige, um, from one state to the next. It's not like he went from Federal Way High School to like Doherty or something. No, for sure. Um, but he did talk and he was like, look, man, I, it's, it's just different. Like they don't put in the work and uh, the details is, is a big aspect because he mentioned multiple times how they were just stupid, stupid decisions made 
um, that costed him turnovers, that, um, you know, put this defense on separate pages, which I, I don't know why. But, I look, I, I told him I understand what he was saying because I definitely remember playing defense. And, you know, I, I, I'd say from Plano to Doherty, talent-wise, it's uh, roughly the same. Plano definitely has the edge because it's a powerhouse, or it was a former powerhouse. Um, but, you know, I remember there were multiple times in practice where there were just stupid mistakes. And it just felt like the athletes just didn't understand what was going on, even though they were told every single time. And it was just a frustrating thing. And so that's something Elijah Graham kind of brought up there. You know, it's just different here. And that's why he wasn't allowed to do everything he could because he did play safety. And, you know, as a safety, you do kind of rely on your corners and linebackers at least being competent and doing the right thing. Um, and, you know, not running into you and costing you interceptions because they accidentally laid you out because they're playing the wrong zone or playing the wrong coverage. So, so there you go. Um, but you know what? Let's kind of keep this thing going here. So we're talking about, uh, I guess, talent from other states, right? Let's talk about national exposure. So Colorado doesn't do really anything to, you know, give, and I'm talking as a state, to give their players as much national exposure as possible. Obviously, you got the Texases, the private schools of California, the Bishop Gormans of Nevada, you know, you have the East Coast that you got Jersey, Florida, all of them. You know, they they do, in my opinion, a very good job year by year scheduling out of state games. And I understand that's partially a financial thing, which we will talk about here next. But just in general, you know, there are ballers in Colorado and they're not they're not advertised just straight up. Um, you know, they go to camps, they uh, go to personal trainers here in Colorado who are supposedly supposed to help them out and you know, get their name out there. But really, I'm just going to be honest, we probably do a better job of exposing Colorado talent and giving them exposure than a lot of uh, coaching staffs and, you know, personal trainers here in Colorado, I would even say, you know. Just by looking at our TikToks, you could find multiple players from in-state and out-of-state that we've put on, and we tell you why they are good or why they are not good yet, um, episode by episode. We, we put in the details, too. So all of, and plus we have scouting reports. So we have receipts too upon receipts. And so we put on these players, in my opinion, a bit better than some of these high schools and uh, camps in Colorado who kind of come off as a little cash grabby uh, when it comes to, you know, national exposure. So, you know, this is just going to be a straight yes or no question or agree or disagree question. Do you agree or disagree, boys? Uh, well, what do you think about my take there? I think it's pretty good. Um, I think the thing I'll touch on just uh, national exposure-wise is is I think the camps are, are big things um, to look at when you're talking about national exposure because, you know, in, in the summertime is when, you know, you have your quote-unquote college camp season um, and you go into different places everywhere. But and, and usually I get to see where these camps are and what play, what, you know, what other schools are attending. So for an example, we went to a camp this year in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, and so obviously the local schools for Indi Indianapolis were there, but uh, you know, you also had people like, people there like, uh, you know, Miami, Ohio, uh, even a guy from, there was the Air Force coaches were there uh, in Indianapolis. So you had guys from, you know, Kansas, Missouri, 
everywhere in the surrounding area of Indianapolis. And then as far as uh, I do believe we had we had coaches from from Georgia and in South Carolina as well. They're at this this mega camp. So I think, you know, there are places in the Midwest and in the South that are putting on these camps and, and, you know, giving national exposure to these kids. Whereas in Colorado, that doesn't happen. You know, I'm sure the University of Colorado has a camp. I'm sure the University of Colorado State has a camp. But they just even those big time, you know, state funded funded flagship schools don't broadcast enough where I didn't even get to see anything. And I follow a lot of guys that you guys talk to and and put on on the podcast and stuff like that uh, on Twitter. And, and I didn't see anything about that. I mean, I obviously know a few of them that went to the camps, but for for the amount of people that I follow on Twitter, I see so much more from from places, like I said, in the Midwest, in the South that are going to all these camps with all these people coming and everything like that and, and the national exposure is much bigger than you know than it is in Colorado I, I have I haven't seen anybody you know even just put out there's a camp in Colorado um, and, and none of these guys can find it nothing can happen none of the coaches can find it uh, and nothing like that so I think I think the camp thing is a big thing um, I would say yes. I know we talked about out-of-state games, and I played two out-of-state games. We played one in Florida in high school as as a high school player, and I played one in California. Uh, we won both of them, so I mean that was good. But I think I think you need to have you know I could would like to see something of like a you know in other sports besides football. Like you know you have your softball and baseball. They have regionals. I'd like to see some sort of regional thing where you know you play your teams. Let's say we're in Colorado. You know, you, your state champions from Colorado will then, you know, state champions runner-up will then go and play, you know, a quick tournament. It doesn't have to be more than two, two or three games with the surrounding area. So if you're in Colorado, you know, you go play teams in Wyoming, Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma. You know, you can even reach into Texas, New Mexico, uh, Utah, Nevada, uh, and stuff like that. You know, you could have a regional that would, would, you know, give some more national exposure for these players. And then, you know, you have your different regions of the, of the United States, and they can... You know, then more coaches can get to more games from different states around the world. Um, you know, it'd be easier to get there. This dude really said every state around Colorado except for Arizona. <laughs> Arizona's a little ways out, but. <laughs> but no, I'm just playing with you. But yeah, that's not even like, that doesn't even feel like a really hard thing to set up, honestly. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd say like the only thing that I see. I guess from the inside looking out here for Colorado, as far as like national exposure goes, is like Team Full Gorilla, which is a seven on seven squad, like you know? Football. So like, if that's really the best we can do, like then we have to do better. Like Simon, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that, or, or is there anything else you could think of Simon that's like nationally exposing other than Team Full Gorilla? Cause I can't off the top of my head right now. No, and shout out to Team Full Gorilla. Uh, first off, because they've supported this podcast for a really long time. And, you know, they always retweet our stuff. And they some real ones over there. You know, they're, they're, they're some good people for sure. They do a lot, in my opinion, actually, to help out uh, players and get them exposed. Because they do go to colleges, um, you know, attending like tours and camps and that type of stuff, right? And I think that's always a really cool thing as a youngin to be able to see that and to be able to visualize that after uh, you visit those places. And so I love seeing that. And then obviously they're competing against some of the best talent in the nation, you know. Uh, they went to the Mecca out in uh, out in Nevada with all those big uh, mountains. I don't think they're mountains, they're like plateaus or whatever. 
But, you know, they, they was turning up and they was doing their thing. And, you know, you see all these things about like, oh, Braden Dorman tearing it up or Ramon Pacheco or Justice uh, Nicholson, that is. Uh, they're, they're doing their thing over there. And, you know, they get some exposure. And, you know, these are guys that are ballers. And uh, the unfortunate part is that, you know, not everybody could afford a Team Full Gorilla. And obviously, Team Full Gorilla, they do have that prestige. Um, that kind of limits how many players they could bring on because they want to bring on the best of the best. They can't just let anybody in, you know, so it's not exactly like super access accessible, even though they are doing a lot of good things. But other than that, you know, you see Cherry Creek, uh, they scheduled their first out of state game, I think ever, I want to say. That's maybe what the social media post said. I could be wrong though, against uh, one of these uh, Arizona teams. It's either Chaparral or Chandler. Both of them are good scores. They always have a great quarterback. And so either way, that Cherry team uh, defense will be tested come this fall. And I believe they're going to Arizona to open against them. And so that's great. I love seeing that. But other than that, you really don't see many Colorado teams playing out of state teams. Or, and I think this is probably the biggest key here, but they're not playing teams uh, out of state that are respected, in my opinion. They're not playing teams that are like, oh yeah, they're a bunch of dogs, but they're a bunch of contenders. They're playing teams like a lot of Colorado teams, if they do go out of state, it's either for scrimmage or they're playing, uh, you know, some teams that just, you know, they're, they may, they might make the playoffs or, or they could be trashed this year. It's, you know, it's very choosy there. And that's not to say every out of state game is like that, but at least how I see it, that's kind of how it comes off to me. So, yeah. Let me just add something to the, you know, the, um, the teams that you know that, that go out and from Colorado get the national exposure stuff like that. I think they do they do that yes and they do that well, but I think from what I've seen Colorado needs to do a better job of hosting things, bringing people in. It's you know I know we're gonna talk about it in the financial stuff, but like it's way cheaper to have all the people come to you than to send your people out. You know then you don't have to pay for travel or anything like that. And I know we'll talk about financial stuff, but Colorado needs to do a better job of hosting hosting and bringing people in i should you know we went to a camp this this summer in in minnesota or not minnesota sorry in uh, missouri and a guy from colorado shouldn't have to travel from colorado to st louis missouri to get exposure he shouldn't have to do that there should you know Colorado should do you know hosting some camps or doing some things where you know you know the chassa has has a governing body that can that could do this host something where you know you bring in coaches and then you don't have to worry about sending people out you can just bring everyone to you excellent very good idea there um and you know what let's go ahead and talk about finances if we don't have a lot to talk about about national exposure because i feel like those two really go hand in hand here so you know let's talk about that how come colorado doesn't have more of those games way (laughs) where they are you know uh hosting multiple teams from out of state because here's the deal Colorado is actually a beautiful state, you know. I could already see it now. Run the Rockies tournament, you know, easy, easy. And then you could have Pike Speak or whatever in the background. And, you know, it's going to aesthetically look pleasing. Like, not even going to lie, looking at just football film, I, I hate to say it, but there are a lot of times where the aesthetics of the background of a football game look much better than the actual highlights on the film itself. And it's not that big of a surprise, I feel. I'm just going to be honest, you know. And so 
I don't know why Chasa hasn't set anything up. I don't know why scores aren't pushing for that. Maybe it is a hassle, but here's the deal. If you want to get more players onto that next level and whatnot, those are the small things that you got to do, right? Chasa hasn't set it up because Chasa is cheap. Chasa would rather keep the money in-house than they would to put it out to get that exposure. And in my opinion, if you all about that money, then you ain't about the kids. Well, yeah, Chasa has never been about the kids. <laughs> they, they have a lot of questionable decisions. Simon, you and I are familiar with this, with the whole, I'd say, most recently, the Griffin Loritano situation, where, oh, you know, I'm to... yeah, go ahead. where they were wishy-washy about, you know, if they were going to play a season or not, and then they basically caved in to parents because they're spineless. And because Griffin Loritano was trying to make a move that was best for him and his football career, they punished him during the worst time. And, you know, a playoff game suspension looks way bad on paper than it does when you look at the full story, when you look at the full picture. And so Chess is, you know infamous for, for making decisions that punish players. And I guess in this case... You know they're they're making they're they're not making decisions that are still punishing players. You know. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, that was a stupid mistake because they not only screwed over Griffin Loretano, who should have a scholarship by now, to some you know FCS D1 uh, D2 school, in my opinion, and his teammates probably could have benefited from that as well. Just uh, just throwing that out there. Um, but instead they robbed him, and it's because they caved into parent pressure. And in my opinion. Um, I think it's always a mistake when you cave into parent pressure because some of them are a little bit delusional, is what I'm going to say. They have a horse in this race, and, you know, they are probably as biased as they come, and I always think that's a mistake, and I feel like it was a mistake to, you know, to not only suspend him from the football playoffs, but I think he also served a suspension during basketball, which makes no sense at all. But it had to do with why he wanted to leave Colorado, even though I don't believe he ever physically moved from Colorado. But even then, still, if he's here, he's here. You know, let him play. And, you know, Chassa doing that definitely showed a lot of colors. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, okay with bashing them because they are cheap. I don't think they always do what's best for the state. And to be completely honest with you, that's the vibe that athletes have about Chassa in general, you know. All of us, I believe, are former, former, former players who, uh, you know, played in Colorado and probably had some sort of interaction with Chassa, whether it's minimal or a lot. And uh, I'm just gonna be honest, you know, we're on TikTok, and by the way, we do have, I want to say, 1,700 followers now. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you to all of our fans. But we do follow a couple Colorado high school sports pages, and. Oh my gosh, the number of times they bash Chassa and every single decision they make, because it seems like every single decision they make is wrong, uh, comes up a lot, you know? There are a lot of athletes who don't think Chassa ever, okay, I wouldn't say ever, but there are a lot of athletes that think Chassa's incompetent, they think they do a lot of things that don't make any sense, they think they try to, I don't know, they have all this power that, you know, really doesn't make the game of the games that they are competing in better and you know that's a very wide opinion that a lot of athletes have and that's something that i've personally seen on our side of tiktok a lot 
just a lot of bashing on chassis. So it's not like we're alone on this at all. So just throwing that out there. But uh, let's talk more about financial stuff. Uh, we, this is probably where we could talk about personal trainers a little bit more here because here's the deal. I feel like there is definitely a vibe out there in Colorado that you cannot make it to the next level without a personal trainer. That's the vibe that I get, at least in the Colorado Springs area. Like, if you do not have a personal trainer, you are not a good football player. That's something that I kind of felt that as a player for sure, and for sure as a coach uh, right now. Um, and I don't like that. I feel like back in Texas, you know, if you were if you're a real one, you just perform against the best of the best. And it was a natural pecking order there. You know, you will get recruited based on how you play against some of the best. Uh, but here, I really do feel like, you know, personal trainers, you know, as great as they are at developing some of these players, definitely dictate some things outside of the realm that is unfair. And, you know, feel free to speak out against me if you feel like that vibe is uh, incorrect. But that's just how I feel. So... I don't know. Liam, Jesse, Mason, Cody, uh, go ahead and comment on that as as you will. I 100% agree. I feel like personal trainers are way overused um, and overvalued here in Colorado. I've seen so many kids saying that they need to find a personal trainer when really they could just put in the work with their coaching staff. But I don't think at the same point, I don't think that personal trainers are overused in the fact of I don't think coaches try enough for kids to think that their coaches would try as hard as the personal trainers will. Yeah, I mean, no, absolutely. And uh, I feel like that's not right. I feel like if you're putting your trust into somebody that's outside of your team or whatnot, which is never a bad thing, I would say, but if you trust them a little bit more than your head coaches, then that probably says more about the coaches and the culture there than anything. So there you go. Cody, you're nodding your head. Do you want to expand on that? I mean, we heard it first from Wilson Clark about basically everything that he learned about reading defenses and, you know, how coverages are going to affect blitz packages and how, you know, the you can see stunts before the play and whatnot. He learned that from McChesney over at 6-0 and not at Ralston. Like, I feel like that at that rate, that's all that you really need to hear. And, and you know, that's another shame why, like, McChesney not coaching a program kind of sucks because... You have all these players that learn these skills from him and from 6-0, and then they don't get to use it their senior year or junior year of high school, which which sucks. So, Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. And, you know, I also kind of think, you know, having, I guess, this cult, and this is probably one of the most toxic parts of Colorado football culture, in my opinion, but, you know, having that disparity where, uh, as a young athlete, you are stuck in the mindset that, you know, you can't be a better football player without a personal trainer. That's really dangerous because then you're getting to a point where it's like, okay, so, you know, without a couple thousand dollars to spare per month I, or, you know, a couple hundred, whatever, I don't care. Uh, without that money, I am not a good player. That hurts the confidence of players. That hurts uh, their mindset for sure because then they start limiting themselves and, you know, it's very telling when we ask players outside of the state of Colorado what resources they use versus players in the state of Colorado. Because it's always, and you know, this is cool, you know, 
like we appreciate it like oh like shout out to team full gorilla shout out to six zero shout out to tim jenkins whereas you know you could check out this darian diaz interview i did i want to say a couple weeks ago whenever this episode drops you know darian he's a freshman and he was talking about oh you know i watched uh, the qb school uh zach shomler you know he breaks down a lot of film uh i look at or i talk to i talk to players who have played on that level and beyond you know that's something that you almost never see players that we interview here in colorado say like oh yeah i talked to a player and he's telling me what's up and he's mentoring me and whatnot uh giving back to the football community and so to me it's definitely concerning when we ask about resources that they use and it's always six zero tim jay it's the same it's the same same personal trainers that come up all the time and you know they come up because you know they dominate the market that is colorado football for better or worse am i wrong or am i right uh well you're wrong for saying for better what do you mean by that no i'm, I'm just messing but like i think it's an overall negative impact on colorado football culture I think it's for worse overall and the the few students that it does uh, impact pros- positively it doesn't help in in the real real long run you know what I mean like maybe they get maybe they're getting college looks but they're not going to college and then like just truly truly balling out unless they had some other influence like their father's Ed Mack or something you know it's that uh, yeah. it's that whole argument of uh, competition breeds innovation, but then at some point when you're at the top, there's no competitors anyway, so why innovate? That's what it feels like at least here in Colorado. But yeah, I say I I say a lot of these problems and a lot of you know the opportunities that coaches have, personal trainers have, and these athletes come from. The, just like the underfunding of of football and sports and, and it, from the sounds of it everything is underfunded like just period and so I don't know I guess like what are what are some examples that y'all saw in your schools and I'd like to kick it over to Liam because I, I think I recall you and I having conversations about like you know we talk about athletic programs not being funded but it doesn't sound like basically anything is funded you know, just in general, as far as extracurriculars go. Dude, teachers aren't funded. Extracurriculars aren't funded. Athletic programs aren't funded. Music programs aren't funded. I mean, you get music programs across the country that are being cut right now. And not to make this a thing about music programs, because this is about uh, high high school sports. But music programs across across the nation are being cut and theater programs across the nation are being cut you know you get theater programs that okay well we have to build a set okay how are we going to get the money for that it costs like minimum a thousand dollars to build a set just for the lumber costs alone usually we don't have 20 bucks outside of donations from parents basically that the school is giving us so like if we if we're talking about true underfunding I think we should be looking at the arts personally, but in Colorado, at least, it seems like the money is not being allocated to the right things as far as sports goes. It's not being allocated towards the students. It's not being allocated towards um, facilities and things that are going to help students 
get better. It's being put in the hands of administrators and then put in the pockets of administrators. That's what I was going to say. Where does all the money go? Think about it. Think about how much money they bring in and then you don't see it anywhere. Where do you go? We always ask that question at at our school, you know, tuition is $44,000 to come to our school. There's 500, 600 kids there. Where does all that money go? That's a lot of money. And we don't even see it anywhere. Not, not only just in athletics, but in anything, we don't see it anywhere. So that's a good question. Where does it go? Yeah. I mean, that's millions of dollars. Like, where does that money go? The money goes into the hands of people who, you know, buy nice houses and you can, I mean, like my high school coach had a nice house. He had, you know, one of the nicer houses in, in Longmont basically. And I'm not blaming him, you know, get yours, but at the same time, look out for your kids dude like especially if you're gonna claim the underfunded claim when there's music programs that literally have 50 60 year old instruments that are just like broken i i see the neighborhoods that administrators live in they're nicer than mine (laughs) like like you don't you don't have to live in that big house you know you could you could spread it out a little bit and like the, the money, it's definitely there because then when they do, when they do spend it a little bit, you're like, oh, that seems like it was kind of easy to do. Like, like LPS I, right now, and Mason could attest to this because he's he's seen it happen, is getting like completely revamped. Like, schools are getting rebuilt. There's a new stadium being built. They're they're updating classrooms. They're they're putting new safer like fields and and lights in places and it's like you you can't act like it it hasn't been there like the neighborhoods are still the same so the property values are still the same so all all the funding's still the same like who made this decision to finally do it you know like because i know that there is some turnover at least in like the board of directors in lps and then that's when stuff started to happen so somebody who actually gave a finally was finally got a chance to do something and they did it Right, exactly, exactly, and so, and it should never have to come at the cost of of one or the other. You know, it should never have to come at the cost of like, well, you know, we're gonna fund, we're gonna be a school that funds athletics, or we're gonna be a school that funds the arts or um, education. Like, we should be able to do both. The schools get funded enough to do both if we're not paying the administrators this much money. It doesn't have to be an or, just don't be a head. Yeah, exactly. Mason, you, it looks like you have something to say. LPS just got seven new turf fields and tracks. And they're building a new stadium. For, but... Yeah. And they have had that funding for how long? And they let them... And they're still cutting programs to try and free up funding but they just put in seven new like turf fields yeah and then imagine i mean ultimately and then imagine how that makes the the theater kids feel or the music kids feel where it's like well what do you mean you're cutting our program you just put in seven new track turf fields and they're firing and they're firing we have done five you know couldn't we have done five new fields and then like kept my teacher (laughs) kept my my theater teacher you know, or something. It doesn't have to be an or. 
but it becomes like this this competition between between programs which should never have to be a competition it becomes cutthroat and then coach v can't eat at night bro yeah exactly that's because he's treating us too much mcdonald's though coach v a king and a real one our stomachs our stomachs getting too big you learn to take care of your own but uh no i completely agreed there um kind of not even go like kind of switching the gears here financially this is a part another i guess personal opinion of mine slash something that feel like really is hurting colorado football and take you as take it as you will but uh i really do feel like you know a lot of a lot of the governing bodies when it comes to sports whether it's chassa uh whoever you know some of these i guess public school leagues or whatever at least when it comes to football don't do a good job of making sure that the kids that um can't pay some of these fees and you know handle some of the financial burdens that football might come with they don't do a good job of supporting those kids or really giving them an opportunity because i'll be honest uh i really didn't hear about fees to play until i moved to colorado in texas everything was free we had our own equipment like pads uh jerseys even cleats uh helmets and all that now they weren't great because they're like public school equipment but it's something and it gives kids those opportunities uh, to play that, you know, just don't have that financial opportunity uh, or that financial advantage to do so. And, you know, you can't blame a kid for that. Really, Sometimes you can't even blame the parents for that or their living situation. But I really do feel like, honestly, honest to God, if I moved to Colorado in middle school, there was no way that I was going to be able to play football um, at all. Because that would mean I'd have to buy my own equipment and all that on top of paying fees and then traveling and like like in texas you know we had buses for every game we had whether it was home or away you know so we were all accounted for um along with all of our equipment and whatnot and you know we weren't like a title nine score or anything like that we were a normal public school and that was kind of the norm that i grew up with coming up and a lot of my teammates were the same way if they had to do some jump through some of the hoops that chasa and some of these governing bodies here had in place, there would be no way that they'd even that they'd even play football. You know, having to buy their own pads, having to pay stupid fees for what? You know, for what? Just play football. You know, play sports and all this stuff. And you know, I think, in my opinion, uh, that is that is something that's very wrong with Colorado football. You know, it's not an accessible sport to everyone. Let's just be. Let's keep it 100. It's not. You know, it discriminates against people of the lower class and the lower middle class, and that's what it is. And they kind of don't care. Like, I I don't know. I was on free and reduced lunch, and I definitely uh, didn't have any fees reduced or taken away. And, you know, you could blame the coaching staff for that and whatnot. But, you know, as a coach, I feel like that's your responsibility to take care of your players and, you know, find ways to get talent on the field uh, however possible. And so, um, I don't know. Cody, Liam, Mason, Jesse... Uh, yeah. Do you think that's an accurate statement, what I just said, that they don't provide those opportunities for everyone to play this game of football? A hundred percent. And let me tell you about something that happened in Silver Creek. We had multiple kids who were on free and reduced lunch, and every other year we had a, a class choir trip. that we, we would go across the country. We'd go either to New York or we'd go to California and we'd go to Disneyland, right? Awesome experience for the choir, for, for choir kids. And 
kids on free and reduced lunch got to go to the choir teacher and say, hey, I need help. And you know what the choir teacher did? The choir teacher pitched in for, for their trip because the choir teacher cared and the choir teacher loved that student. <clears throat> and you think like coaches who get paid more can't do that? That's or administrators true. can't can't shell out, you know, 2000 bucks for more equipment for the kids with free and reduced lunch. Yeah, no, that's true. I this is another thing that I always appreciate, uh, both as a player, coach, person, just in general. But I remember when my dad was here in Colorado and I was kind of I wouldn't say on my own, but it was just me and my family there in Texas. You know, we were pretty we we're spread pretty thin financially. I'm just going to be honest. And. You know, there are some off-season camps at the high school that were going to be great and whatnot that would have helped me stay in shape and get better and, you know, learn some plays and obviously get used to the high school grind that is Texas off-season, um, you know, workouts, right? And I couldn't afford it because, to be completely honest, you know, it was, it was like a six- or eight-week program. That was a couple hundred dollars. And I vividly remember me and my boys because it wasn't just like – it wasn't just like a personal me problem. It was like me – our starting quarter, okay, basically our whole backfield, half of our line, um, really mo the majority of the team. So about 30 of us went to coach. Like we hopped into his office and we're like, hey, you know, we know you want us to go to the school. You know, there's the alignment thing and all that, but we there, there ain't no way that we could afford this. Come on, coach. It's a couple hundred dollars. Like, you know, you, you know what it's like to struggle for all that, you know? Because um, we did have a coach who came from a similar background as us. And he was like, all right, no worries, I got you. And I do not know how he got it done. Um, what I figured out, or what I'm just going to assume, is that he had some boosters help us out, you know, fund some scholarships to some of these camps and whatnot. But he found a way to get us there. And not only did he find a way to get us there, but he also bought us workout clothes as well uh, with our school name and whatnot. So that we had something to wear when we went over there that wasn't like, you know, some off-brand like and one type of deal. Well, everyone else was rocking Nike and Adidas at these camps, which they were uh, because, you know, we were on the tougher side of town when it came to the feeder school that we were going to. And, you know, I always appreciate that because not only did that camp teach me how to bench, teach me how to run with a parachute, teach me how to properly run a 40-yard dash, teach me proper like football plays and stuff like that, but it did give me opportunities to work with guys like a Rex Burkhead for free, basically, who came to these camps and, you know, worked with us because he wanted to give back to the community. Guys like a Rex Burkhead, uh, Blaylock, you know, all them boys who did go through this uh, program and were, you know, given some of these same things that we were. And so for me, that's a core memory that I'll always remember, but that's definitely something that I can't imagine ever happening in Colorado. And, you know, I, I get it, it's not a charity thing, you know, sports and all that, but, you know, if you care enough, you find a way to get it done, plain and simple. And if you don't, then obviously you don't care enough. Yeah, I was about to say for, I mean, for football, right? Everyone does those like fundraiser things, but it's like, okay, what am I selling? What am I selling 20 of the, 25 of these coupon books for at like $30 a pop? Where is that money going where I still have to pay for like, you know, like a fee, like $180 fee for football and then like a 300 in like 60 or $70 like deposit on equipment. Like I, I, I mowed lawn, mowed like a lawn or neighbor's lawns like every year from like 
basically the end of March to like October since like eighth grade. And I basically had to use all that money to pay for the CSU Pueblo camp my junior and senior year myself and then pay for football my junior and senior year myself. And it's like, I mean, obviously it it worked out, but that sucks. You know, I'd much rather have that money saved up for, I don't know, college that I'm now like eternally in debt for. Like, you know, there, there's other things to spend money on that, you know, I just wish that like I didn't have to do that. Like that sucks. It's really annoying. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's my two cents on it. Oh, for sure. But that's that's the name of the game, you know. And you know, coaches, they're gonna be like, "Oh, I don't, I don't understand why you can't make it to this five hundred dollar camp that I'm putting on for four weeks." You know, five hundred ahead. You know, and they go to, and they're gonna be like, "Oh, that affects your playing time." And yeah, I see that a lot in Colorado, and that pisses me off because it's like, coach. Let's be real. Your best players ain't coming from the suburbs. And if they are, you ain't that guy. And neither is your team. It's just straight up. If your best player is coming from the suburbs, unless that's the predominant area, that, that's that's kind of a problem. And, you know, I'm not going to get into all that stuff, you know, all that political stuff. Uh, shout out to Coach Ace who kind of brought that up um, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, I want to say. But, you know, I'm just saying, you know, you got to do better to provide opportunities for all players to play football because I don't know if you have the best of the best exactly playing this sport. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. The best of the best might be somewhere else doing something else. So Colorado is missing out on a lot of talent and yeah, a lot of potential by, yeah, by not being that. more inclusive. Oh, for sure. So and, and that's in high school, and that's even at the middle school and youth <clears throat> levels, I believe. Um, so, I remember talking to, to Simon about this when he first moved in. He was or moved like here to Colorado and talking about football. He was confused that like, you know, Arepo High School didn't have an Arepo middle school team that was kind of like a feeder. Like only a, a few select programs really have that in Colorado. And, you know, that that kind of also plays into into the opportunities and where's the money coming from and and whatnot like that. I don't know if anybody wants to really touch on the middle school thing. Um, but you know, after this, I definitely want to begin to try and fix what, what we're looking at in the future here with Colorado. But does anyone want to kind of touch on the middle school opportunities and the youth programs that just are non-existent here? Well, not non-existent. I shouldn't say that because you have like Jeffco and Arapahoe Youth League and stuff like that. But it, you know, what that lack of once again accessibility kind of is and what it means. Jesse, it's been a while. Did you want to comment on that first? Well, I would just say it goes back to the whole continuity thing, you know. When I played Little League football, everyone from my team then, once we all went to high school, split up and went to the different high schools wherever they were closer to. So I think, you know, the continuity of having those feeder programs could help you, you know, build build bonds and keep you know, keeps people together and, and different, you know, ideas, you know, teams can, you know, introduce your, your beginning playbook stuff to, to the middle schools and they can run that and then they'll be, you know, a step ahead when they get into the high school level. So I think just having a, a continuity, um, I, don't, I personally don't know or see Colorado doing this in the near future just because uh, I would say the, the lack of um, 
you know, youth coming up in football, I, don't, I would say. I think around, not only in Colorado, but all around America, they, uh, football, youth football is, is kind of dwindling a little bit more just as people find out how, you know, quote unquote dangerous football is and all this stuff. And why would you put your kid through that and all that stuff? Um, so I think that could have something to do with it. But uh, I think, you know, it, it could benefit in ways um, that places like Texas and, and Florida do for having feeder programs. Yeah, no, fair enough. And uh, I think it definitely goes a long way having, you know, the same kind of playbook on the come up because then that allows you to have more complicated plays and concepts that you can install down the line. Um, it's, look, uh, as much prep intellectually as you can get as possible is never a bad thing, I would say. Um, there's, It's always good to have that continuity, like you said, Jesse, and I think, I think that's mostly on some of these school systems here because you have that whole choice thing. Uh, like, you know, you could choice it to different schools. And I always thought that was stupid. Like, it didn't make sense to me and whatnot. That's my personal opinion on that. Because back in Texas, you know, we have actual districts. And um, unless, you know, you live, well, really, like, unless you're willing to pay a couple hundred dollars to move your kids into another school and then they also lose a whole year of eligibility, doesn't matter what they do or what reason, they just lose a year of eligibility, then, you know, don't move your kid to another district. I remember specifically, you know, uh, coaches talking to us about how important it was for all of us to be on the same page from elementary to middle school to high school, uh, senior high school, all of that as well. You know, there was none of this like, oh, you know, you could go to school in Plano and then uh, go to middle school in uh, Allen and then uh, transfer over to Dallas and then, you know, and then just get away with it. Cause I feel like Chassa kind of lets that slide a lot. And, you know, you can make an argument that Texas lets that slide a lot, but I think just ha having very loose like districting and uh, allowing kids a choice into different schools kind of hurts, you know, uh, some athletes because it hurts that continuity and, you know, you could get into the whole like, oh, you know, is transferring a good thing or a bad thing. But in my opinion, that kind of structure is not conducive to a good football setup. And it hurt, it really does hurt, you know, um, not farm programs, uh, feeder programs going on to that next level. I know Dakota Ridge is trying to uh, establish their thing. They're actually doing a very good job out there. They have some very good feeder programs set up. And I think that's going to be something uh, to look at when they eventually win a couple of state championships here, because that's what I'm going to predict. And, you know, Cherry Creek, I know, has a pretty solid feeder program as well, or at least they have a middle school going up. So, so yeah. Yeah. So, with, okay, so we've addressed a lot of issues on this episode, right? We've pointed out there's incompetent coaching, there's complacency in coaching athletes, and even the ADs, as well as Chassa. There's incompetency plaguing Colorado sports. There's inaccessibility. You know, there's a lack of national exposure. The list goes on. We don't take it as serious as other states, right? We have all of these issues. We've laid them all out. So now the question is because, I mean, anybody can point out the issues. What has to happen to solve the culture problem in Colorado football? Um, Mason, it's been a while since we heard from you. Would you like to take a crack at solving the problem with Colorado football first? I think it needs to start at the youngest level and they need to change the mentality of how these kids are like playing. And they got to start 
implementing a little bit tougher schemes and kind of holding them more accountable. And then moving up as they get older, they got to just keep the accountability, keep on them. And then the coaches have to start caring more. And it can't be just parents coaching. It's got to be actual people who know the game because someone that knows the game can teach the game. Someone who knows the game on TV but hasn't played can't coach the game. And then in the money aspect, I think we need to stop giving so much money to the people that are running everything and more money to the actual kids. Because, like, if you can give the kids, like, like even if it's not fully fixed, but you can make it cheaper for them to be able to play, more kids will be able to play, which will give us in Colorado the opportunity to see better talent. Agree out of 10. <laughs> that, I mean, and, and there's plenty there's plenty to, to build off of there, but uh, I, I like that strat. Jesse, what do you think of uh, Mason's assessment and what else would you add on? How, how does Jess, how does Coach Booten fix Colorado football? <laughs> um, I think Mason had some good points. I'll just keep it short and sweet. Uh, I think it comes as simple as buy-in. I think, I think it needs to be buy-in all over the place. Um, coaches, players, parents, uh, administration, you know, anything. I think you need to, uh, you know, if you really want to, you know, make Colorado a powerhouse football football state. And if you want to compete with the Texas and the Floridas and the Southern states, stuff like that, and you want it to be like that, you're going to have to, you know, put put in the work and, and have that buy-in to make the, uh, you know, the, the, the state a football state. It's going to take, um, take some work. So I think, I think I'm just going to leave it at, at the fact that you need to buy in and you know, if you're going to go sport wide or go with the athletics and, and go sports, you got to go all in on that. You can't, you know, double dip in two different places. I think, uh, I think it's, it's not just a choice. Oh, you can't just wake up one day and say, Oh, I'm gonna be a football coach or, Oh, I'm going to fund the football program or anything like this. It's not like a, just a, a decision. It's an overtime decision that you're going to have to, you know, really buy into and, and make it happen. Yup. Y'all, Liam, what do you think? I think it takes accountability, and I think it takes coaches realizing, like, if they're going, you know, four and ten, three seasons in a row, that they need to quit. And they need to let a school get some, get somebody else in there. And just, like, it just needs to, there needs to be a turnover of faculty, honestly. And it's not start to need to import faculty from from states that actually know what they're doing um for a while and then you can start to make your own colorado culture for football that's legit um but it it doesn't start with your own people if your own people don't care enough yeah i see that and that's that's why i mean i obviously agree with everything y'all have said between you know accountability building that base with with Liam and then Jesse with with the buy-in and the consistency and you know Mason with you know changing the actual attitude uh, of the kids and getting some coaches in there that know what the hell they're doing and I think that like for me I think that the biggest thing that Colorado could use obviously in a lot of places but especially 
in regards to our youth and even more so in football is just a shot in the arm financially where, I mean, it sucks that you have to incentivize those good coaches to come around to those programs. But, but really like to be a coach in Colorado, you you have to be coaching and then you have to be like a full-time teacher and you know, like a, a lot of, I think we miss out on a lot of good football coaches because they're not teachers, they're football coaches. So just like opening that door for football players to coach football on the high school level. And then you have, you, you know, you see these little kids watch these high schools succeed. And it's more than just like five high schools at a time. Right. So then they get inspired and then there's like an increased demand for good coaching at the middle school level and so on and so forth. So I think that starts with a shot in the arm at, at the top. And it also takes more importantly, these athletic directors and these administrators to care about the kids more than they care about themselves. And I think it's, it's a top down kind of thing because I think we've seen what, what the bottom up kind of looks like with, you know, just certain players trying to, you know, just balling out and playing their best. But overall, the entire state of Colorado remains the same. And then after they leave, you know, a lot of these schools, they end up kind of falling back into mediocrity after this one special player that pulled through. So I, I think it's it's a top-down thing where we just have to get quality in from the top down and, and the players will follow suit. And, you know, I want to obviously pass it off to Simon lastly, which... Kudos to Simon for bringing up this idea on this whole Colorado culture idea or this whole episode, I should say, and uh, mentioning that it needed to be addressed. And so, you know, if if you heard your name on this podcast, don't take it personally. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. It's not about you. This is about the future of Colorado athletes and just a just a future in general of Colorado youth, because, I mean, we all know that sports and just extracurriculars in general enrich enrich these young kids' lives. So go enrich instead of being a part of the problem. That's what I'll end on and, and pass it off to Coach V here. Yeah, no, for sure. And definitely agree with all those solutions to making Colorado football better, fixing the culture, all that great stuff. For me, bottom line is, you know, level of play has to be better. You know, and that's a pretty loaded uh, answer. I would say there's a lot of different things that go into that, but – you know, how I'd break it down is that if you're a player and you're listening to this and you're as frustrated as we are and you could already see the signs of a dysfunctional program and an incompetent coach, here's the thing. You could still work on your game. That ain't give you no excuse to pout around and whatnot. Go on YouTube. Go on TikTok. Go on Instagram. Go use social media, bruh. Don't be one of those guys that don't use social media and then don't do any research on how to get better at your craft. Use social media. Get better there. Um, you know, like I said, Darian Diaz, he does his homework, you know, do you do yours so that whenever you eventually walk on to some school, no thanks to your high school coach, you know, you'll be ready because if you're ready, then you'll ball out. And, you know, that helps out the culture and, you know, that helps out the community and all that great stuff. If you are a coach or administration listening to this, uh, actually, if you are a coach listening to this and you are a dominant program, um, it pays off to beat teams in complicated ways. You know, running halfback dive and play action off of that ain't enough. You got to do a little bit more. And, you know, you could talk sportsmanship and whatever. Fine, you know, do it. But 
it definitely helps beating teams in multiple ways and in creative, complicated ways that will prepare your players for the next level, not just to win on this level, because anybody could win on the high school level, in my honest opinion. So you got to do better. If you're a program that's not good right now, figure it out. Find a way to beat these teams that are running whatever against you because they can, you know. And then lastly, to the admin, uh, I would say, you know, make sure that you have the right football players out there. Make sure that, make sure that you have opportunities that, uh, you know, you're providing for everyone, not just uh, for your little buddies in uh, your uh, little neighborhoods and whatnot. Do what you need to do to get it figured out. Altogether, the level of play needs to be better. Everyone has a job to do, and that's something that we take seriously as well as we are working to improve that. So, you know, we're not innocent at it either. So there you go. But uh, I believe that is it. Boys, thank you for staying up late. This is kind of a late podcast. We took we took a while to put this together. And just in general, it is like 1.18 a.m. as of right now. So I appreciate all of you taking the time out to talk about this subject it is rare that we get all of us on at one time. I do not know when this will ever happen again, uh, but it's been a pleasure. Yeah, huge, uh, huge shout out. We made it. We made it through this, through uh, a couple of bathroom breaks, maybe a couple little naps and and some droopy eyes. But uh, hey, here we are at the end of the episode. And, um, you know, ho- hopefully hopefully this has, has the uh, impact that we wanted to have. But uh, yeah. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll we'll leave that right there, and so uh, you know, feel free to DM us whatever, because I'm sure we'll get a love of a lot of uh, lovely comments and stuff. We'll we'll probably this this is a three hour you know episode, so we're probably gonna have multiple TikToks that we make out of this episode. Just so you know. But uh, with that being said, speaking of TikTok and whatnot, make sure you follow us on all of our social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok as well. Go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have some stuff on there as well. Um, we'll continue to be posting more content. We're talking Last Chance U, uh, QB1, breakdowns, requests, rankings. And then, you know, uh, if you want us to talk about more subjects like this, we'd love to do that as well. But, uh, but yeah, so anyways, I am your co-host, Simon Varianos. I'm Mason Austin. I'm one of your other co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. Um, Coach Coach Booten, or you know Jeff Booten, either way. <laughs> and I was Liam Hughes. <laughs> and we'll catch you later. And we're gonna get some sleep. Thank you for rocking with us, and have a great rest of your day or night. Peace. <laughs>